plots of land and the starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. Don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me off forever, but I ask you please. Don't fence me Yeah, good morning and happy Monday, people, for crying out loud. It is Monday already. Good morning this morning. Oh, I had the, the doors off the Jeep. Blew the doors off the Jeep this weekend. That was fun. It's pretty wicked out there on the highway, though, with the doors off. Whether it's designed to be driven. Thank you, Dave Sinclair, for the Jeep Rubicon. Got the doors off and tee off and everything else, but uh, going down the highway in that thing, dang, y'all, that's some uh, that's some wind. Oh my, I didn't even, I didn't know I had plastic bags in the car until they started flying out of the thing. I'm then I'm littering those little plastic grocery bags and things. I you never know when you have them in your car; they're kind of sitting all over the place sometimes and. Didn't know that until they started blasting out of my car, like, you know, blowing out of my car. I felt like I was, you know, and then, of course, I'm a real weirdo about littering, and I get freaked out that I'm a litterer, and I would never want to be a litterer, but there I was, littering my ass all, and had all those, had all those bags flowing out. Jim Carafano on the way. By the way, going to have um, none other than Gia Valentian with us. As well at about seven o'clock, and then Christy Nichols is going to be in with us just a little bit later on. But I think probably about eight o'clock. She is, uh, of course, running for the U.S. Senate and the Republican side, and also over the weekend had a fun time over at the Cortland Sykes Barbecue. That was fun out there, in beautiful St. Charles, and you know we had a good old time. And Margaret was there. Margaret Sharp was there. She was she was hanging out. Blowing out of my car. 
Oops, hang on. Let me just turn my volume down here, people. That's what that's that's my only my only deal here. There we go. But yeah, it was fun. There were a lot of people out there too. And I I told Cortland and the same thing I'm telling everybody who is uh a who who's running. And that is that Doggett, you could win this thing with 18 20% of the vote the way it is right now. And there's this assumption that because Josh Hawley is Josh Hawley, that all the other folks are basically going to just uh, run away with it. And I don't think that's a foregone conclusion. I don't think that's necessarily a conclusion that we can reach, that Hawley's the, the, the guy. A- and again, I'm not trying to say that Hawley isn't the guy, but this idea somehow that all these folks are going to wind up cannibalizing themselves isn't a foregone conclusion. This has happened before. And people talked about how, well, yeah, but in the end, it turns out that Todd Aiken had to have 30% of the vote when he ran and there was a three-way race. And that's true. It was a three-way race. But keep in mind, this is more like a five, six-way, maybe even a seven-way race. And say seven-way race. Say seven-way race ten times fast. Just do it. Do it for me right now. Everybody in your kitchens, in your cars, say seven-way race 10 times. Seven-way race. Seven-way race. Yeah, you can't do it, can you? But I'm telling you, that's a strong possibility that something like that could occur and that you can have a Cortland Sykes. You can have a Peter Pfeiffer. You can have an Austin Peterson. You can have a Tony Minetti. You can have a Christy Nichols. Take the nomination with 19% of the, of the vote. There are 11 people running. And we probably boiled it down to maybe a top five individuals who actually have a few legs to stand on. But that doesn't mean that the other people don't either. And people are just frustrated enough with the way things are going that, you know, it could be anybody's race at this time. That's a reality. And it used to be, I think, and I think Austin Peterson kind of alluded to this a while back, but it used to be this idea that somehow people have to get out of the race. Like Tony Minetti should get out of the race because Austin Peterson is this, and because Hawley's going to cannibalize, you know, going to win because everybody else is cannibalizing each other. I don't think that's the case these days. I think. Based on the people I've talked to, and there are plenty of them, believe me, plenty of people that I've talked to who are voting and who are activists and who are people, and you could talk to one today, and they'll tell you one name, and you could talk to the other two hours later, some other, somebody else, and they'll tell you another name. And I'm, I am not kidding you. People are that inclined to be just independent enough nowadays that I wouldn't bank on anything at this point. So that's why we continue to be uh, fair. We continue to have everybody represented. I continue to go to a Tony Minetti deal or I'll show up at a Cortland Sykes event or uh, Wednesday I'll be at a Peter Pfeiffer event. You know, I'm, I'm going to be where you all uh, have your eyes trained. And sometimes it could be one of them, maybe somebody else. If you have somebody else I haven't interviewed, let me know. I'll take everybody. So don't worry about that. But yeah, it was a um, great event. 
Margaret was out there. It was a, and she's out at every. I'll I'll see her out there at the Peter Pfeiffer event as well. And so again, don't think that this is Holly's race. Although you could tell the guy's got some money, though that's for sure. And listen, Holly's he's you know people are acting like he's not really Republican. The fact is he is, and Holly has been harmed a lot by presuppositions and i feel bad for the guy to a certain degree because you know i don't know i'm not quite sure he's into this as much as you might think you know although there were people that said that you know president trump wasn't really into winning and this and that but the fact of the matter is i'm not quite sure that hawley i think he was a little surprised and he was dragged into it to a certain degree by the folks who signed that letter the almighty letter that was uh, basically more more prominent in that letter was John Danforth, which is unfortunate for Josh Hawley because uh, most of us do not appreciate John Danforth. Oh, I know. Back in the day when everybody got along and it was just a bipartisan thing, I'm trying to tell people, you know, those were not the greatest days for America when we had the – Tip O'Neill's of the world or the or the everybody getting along type of thing. Because we remember what happened when everybody got along. It's kind of what happens when you're involved in a lawsuit and your attorney's going out with for cocktails with the other attorney after the court case. That's what that that getting along got us nothing. It got us horrible trade deals. It got us no tax reform that we could speak of for the past 25 years. It got us no relief for the American worker, no relief for the American family. And so bipartisan can bite me as far as I'm concerned. It hasn't helped us. They've only just gone up there and managed what has been stolen from us in terms of the federal income tax. And that's the sum total of what a lot of our politicians are doing in Washington. And that is just simply managing a racket as opposed to actually doing something in terms of getting the government off our back. Finally, we have somebody in the formulation of President Trump and some people who are dutifully and wisely following in his footsteps, his swamp-draining footsteps, uh, that will change things for us. We've got tax reform. Did you see that? We've, we've got are on our way to immigration reform. We have a more conservative Supreme Court and will have a more conservative Supreme Court. We have things changing but don't tell me that the days when Eagleton and Danforth got along, those were the, the heydays of America. That, that was a nightmare for us. It's kind of like I feel like, you know, when, when, when you talk about the founding fathers or you talk about how, how great the old days were. Remember, you know, like, like I remember, never forget Chris Rock when he talked about how, why – Blacks don't go to baseball games. And uh, although I don't agree with him, but he said, well, stop talking about the good old days. You know, I see you going back to like, you know, 1890 before we could vote. And you're all, you know, doing all this kind of stuff. And whenever, you, whenever I hear your old timey music and your good old days stuff, I remember the blacks remember the good old days. And the good old days didn't include the blacks. I'm just telling you. So when we talk about the good old days as conservatives or as Americans, we have our own weirdness when it comes to hearing about the good old days. Because don't tell us the good old days was when Republicans and Democrats all played nice together. 
because playing nice together just meant they were lubing up our rear ends. Is that's what that's about? And and you know what happened there. So so bipartisanship is overrated. Got to tell you. Anyway, Hawley has a new ad out. You can tell it's a very expensive one too. Josh Hawley. The eyes of the nation are on Missouri. We decide which values control the Senate and the Supreme Court. Claire McCaskill wants liberals in charge. That's how she votes. That's not Missouri's way, and it won't be my way. I got my start at the Supreme Court, defending religious liberty. I haven't met my wife there. She's a tough lawyer, too. I'm Josh Hawley. I know our way of life is at risk. That's why I approve this message. I mean, you know, you got to admit, the guy's does some good, the, the, the people who do his ads, you know, I remember him running for attorney general and, you know, they had him out, you know, grabbing pumpkins with the family and everything else. It was, uh, you know, the guy, the guy puts on a formidable presence. I have to tell you that. And, and he's got money and now he's got national money. It's no surprise. Isn't it interesting how this new ad comes out? Right after, just days after the executive committee made a decision that made the federal, the national Republican committee essentially get behind Hawley and start spending money on him, but which I still find confounding. But that's exactly what the the deal is. Uh, they got behind a guy, one of eleven candidates. Why is that? Now, I don't know whether this money is all their money, but it's, you know. Josh Hawley. The eyes of the nation are on Missouri. We decide which values control the Senate and the Supreme Court. Interesting font. I got to tell you, when they, when they do the ad, it's, 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 kind of a, on, it's, it's kind of a weird font. But, you know, the, you, I, I, I can't say really anything negative Robert about Castle it. Just, liberals in charge. That's how she votes. That's not Missouri's way. And it won't be my way. I got my start at the Supreme Court. They got him kind of running around a lot of uh, columns and a lot of a lot of uh, alabaster concrete there. And I, I, it's, but you know, it's an ad, and and they're spending money, and this is the kind of thing that they're airing all around the state right now. And whether or not the other the other guys can do the same, I don't know. But I will tell you that. Missourians showed their colors, uh, their independence on November 8th of 2016. And everybody thought that, boom, it was going to be Hillary Clinton. Even during the primaries, everybody thought, oh, it was going to be Jeb Bush or Ted Cruz or Marco Rubio. And you kept hearing people talk about how Rubio was the future and blah, blah, blah. And look what Missourians wound up doing. And they voted well, although Cruz, I think, did better than than, uh, Trump did in Missouri. But nonetheless, the reality is he – I think it was – I can't remember what it was. Can anybody refresh my memory? I think it was pretty tight, though, in terms of Cruz and and Trump. But nonetheless, people are independent. Don't count them out. And just remember that there's – there's life beyond what an executive committee is going to tell you. Anyway, Cortland Sykes, thanks, man. Chanel was out there as well as uh, fiance, and actually, I don't. I think it's his fiance. Yeah, and uh, I met her parents, and it was a great group of people out there at the barbecue. I had a, I had a, you know, I'm not saying this is 
generally the problem for me, but I had a full blown Sprite. I had a I had a non diet Coke. Can you believe that? I know, I don't know, but it was good too. A regular Sprite. Saying, you know, why am I why am I worried about having a sugared soda for crying out loud? You know? You ever had just like just said, you know what, screw it. I'm gonna have a Coke. I'm gonna have a diet Coke. I'm gonna have a Coke Zero. To me, if you're gonna have if you're not if you're not drinking six of them, why have why even drink a diet soda? Well, if you're gonna have one, why not just just freaking bone up and have have one? Have a Coke, have a Coke and a smile, people. Have a Sprite and a smile. But you know, I've, I've sometimes I sometimes think I worry too much about dumb stuff. That's why I started drinking like full blown Bud. Like Bud Light or Bud Ultra. Why drink an Ultra? I mean, there's no reason. Well, I mean, I'm not. I'm not disparaging people who drink Ultra. I'm just saying that uh, that why bother with that? You know, can I have a sip of coffee without you people bothering me about sipping into the microphone? Thank you. Why put anything in your coffee? By the way, why not just drink it black? What do you need cream for? <clears throat> Sugar. You know, but again, I'm actually defeating my own purpose. I'm, I'm telling you to go big or stay home, and then I'm saying, don't put anything in your coffee. Put whatever you want in your coffee, people. All I could think about, actually, the other day, I was sitting outside the pool just hanging out, uh, and I had, had a little cup of coffee. It was in the morning, and I could, all, all, I, did, all I could think about was Mark Cason. You believe that? Telling me about how I'm going to live longer because I'm drinking coffee. Then I thought, well, if I don't have this cup of coffee, I won't live long. So I had to have a cup of coffee. It's like normally maybe I wouldn't, but it's one thing Kaysen might be right about. Yeah, Ben Murphy says, get off the aspartame. It's true, man. That stuff is probably really crappy for you. And also, I didn't know one little feature about Coke Zero versus Diet Coke. And boy, I'll tell you, you know what's even better is a Coca-Cola in that thick glass bottle. You know, where you can still buy those uh, those sixteen ounce or whatever they are Coke bottles. You know, back when you get back when you return the bottles, like for five cents or something. By the way, whatever. Ha- Before I get to that, the Coke apparently Coke Zero is actually the Coke recipe, and Diet Coke is a different recipe. So that's why it tastes different. Not that you all care about any of that baloney, but apparently Coke Zero is Coke, which is why it tastes the way it does. I don't know how they take the sugar out of it and make it taste just like Coke is beyond me. Scary is what what they can do with these foods and to trick you. But I'm with Ben. Sometimes I just just have a Coke. Just just go ahead and and drink it. But whatever happened, by the way, remember back in the day when we would buy glass bottles, right? And we would return them for a refund. And we would drink Coke and whatever it was or or even milk for crying out loud. But you'd have the glass bottles. And then you would return the bottles and get your refunds. And that that worked that way. There was no such thing as a plastic Coke bottle. And those were back in the days, presumably, when we were not very – I guess environmentally friendly or whatever, 
But that seems to me to be, be a pretty damn environmentally friendly thing when you go ahead and, and, you, and you have Coke bottle returns. That seems to be a very environmentally friendly thing to do where you go, you buy your, everything in a glass bottle, then you return it to the grocery store. Back in the day, it wasn't that much of a pain in the rear end. And then, then we came up with everything else in plastic. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine that a that all of these water bottles can possibly be that great for the environment. I mean, I, I you know, and and by the way, have you ever had to try to drink out of a out of a recycled plastic bottle? It's you you, you open the thing, you squeeze it, there's water everywhere. I'm telling you. Life really hasn't necessarily improved along those lines, but you can't, I mean, and then everybody has to have a bottle of water in their hand for whatever they're doing, which is weird to me also. I mean, you, you have meetings and you have things like that. Everybody's got a bottle of water in their damn hand. Why is that? Never knew water was that pot. I realized, yeah, you got to drink eight gallons of water a day or your organs won't work properly. I'm like, really? A lot of people uh, did, did, uh, Darwin Featherstone of Blondie drink a bunch of water. I don't know why I just grabbed that one out of my ass, but you know. <laughs> did did back in the day, did everybody have a you know, that's actually back in the day everybody had like a, a martini in their hand. That was probably better. Although those were not probably the good old days. Those are also when people were screwing us. But it, listen, as long as it's not my politician with a martini in his hand, I'm good, but apparently it was. But yeah, how did the water bot this this can't be possibly great for the environment? I mean, you know, I'm sure there are like uh, 200 of these in a whale's belly right now, or in the in the tuna that I just ate the other day when they before I mean, well, not in the tuna, but in the stomach of the tuna when they when they get it. I don't know. I just think back in the day, the whole bottle exchange thing was perfect. But you know, maybe I'm not erudite enough. You see, Joy Reid. <laughs> this is fun. Joy Reid uh, is on, and and whenever you t- unfortunately, whenever you get t- when you whenever you get, and this is just the truth. I'm not gonna try to I'm not gonna try to sugarcoat it, but whenever you get like two black liberals together, they are the most arrogant, officious, racist. That's the configuration you could possibly find. Because first of all, they hate white people. Secondly. They'll always talk about the the latest, like Obama, as being this brilliant, unbelievably amazing mind, even though he probably got where he got because more because of his color than anything else. But uh, but they they, t- they talk about him like he's just this amazing, brilliant, fascinating person, and anybody who comes after him who happens to be white is just stupid and crass and blah 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 and you get that with joy reed who by the way uh, also has a thing for against gays for some reason joy reed doesn't like her some gays she gets all uptight about gays she says she does it now but just read all of her old stuff she's hates gays but she's liberal got away with murder changed her hair lost about 20 pounds and now she's just the new joy reed but she's not really the new Joy Reid. She's on with some goofball. Let's see who is this? Uh, who is this road scholar? He's uh, well. Who cares? She's on with this guy. Uh, it's uh, 
Oh, John McWhorter. He's a language expert. Okay. You guys, I'm telling you, this is going to be one hell of a segment here. Because because now that you mentioned it, Joy, of how erudite your esteemed black Moses was, be careful what you wish for when you when you run across this buzzsaw known as Radio Free Almond. But anyway, I'll let you go ahead and have a couple minutes here, Joy, with your buddy, the language expert, John McWhorter, whoever he is. Yeah. In Republican Party politics, where being the not being erudite as a speaker is seen as a virtue. It was with George W. Bush, the idea that he's plain spoken, and so when he would mangle the language, even the media. Yeah, because you want you because you want somebody like Barack Obozo who doesn't mangle the language. Let me ask you this: Do you, do you think when I saw this, do you think that I researched Barack Obozo and his speeches? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's what I did. But let's let her have a little fun with language expert John McWhorter just for a sec, okay? Yeah, would read that as authentic and great, right? He would make up words and people would say, great, that's great. It's his lexicon. Right, it's Sarah Palin, the same sort of thing, where even the media was enchanted with the way she spoke. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You're right, Joy. Enchanted with the way that white lady spoke. But those of us who are erudite, uh, we will have none of these uh, white people butchering the language or whatever it happens that to be. That is actually seen as a virtue of Democrats, whereas you would see people disparage President Obama. And I love how they have the picture of Trump behind them with his hand up. And they, of course, don't show his hand. So you're seeing him. I'll just do it for the camera like this. What do, what do, you, what do you think that shows? What do you think that's showing? Yeah. They, 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 their imagery, they're such, they are so corrupt in their imagery and in their language themselves and in how they produce things. They purposely will have a graphic that shows how President Trump is some kind of the Fuhrer, the Nazi. He'll show you this one. Here, I'll, I'll do the... It's, a, it's as if you moved this one. Let me see. Whoops. Damn it. Here. See that one? I, I, I can do my picture like halfway. And let me see how that works. Yeah, and so you can, you can basically, if you, if, if you just cut me the right way, I have my, my right hand up like I'm Adolf Hitler. You can make it that way if you wanted to. Hold on. Sorry. Just trying to be creative here. The album dropped. Just hold on, people, for crying out loud. I'm not as organized as you all are. There we go. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, and, and the graphic makes it look like, a, like President Trump's basically Hitler. That's how they do it. Obama for being almost too erudite and too articulate. Yeah, bro, yeah, Barack Obama was too erudite and too articulate. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think Here, Obama to for being almost the virtue of Democrats, whereas you would see people disparage President Obama for being almost too erudite and too articulate. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that- no, we were we were disparaging Obozo for being too liberal and too leftist. Uh, I don't know anybody who said he was too articulate and too erudite. You know that. How many of you sat around and, and lamented how brilliant 
Obozo was. You know, that Obama, boy, he's just so smart. It just really is confusing. Where it's really see just people disparage President Obama for being almost too erudite and too articulate. Yeah, oh. that that brought. Didn't you guys sit around the dinner table and uh, sit around the shanty mama and, and, and talk about how? Boy, I'll tell you what, that Barack Obama, he is so erudite and just absolutely so articulate. I just am confounded and hateful for that. He's. I can't believe how high his IQ is. It just drives me crazy. Is that what the conversations you all had at your tea party? Boy, I'll tell you, that Barack Obama, mm, boy, just gets me every single time. He just bowls me over with his unbelievable intelligence. I'm just uh, confounded by it all, Sally, aren't you? Oh, yes, we are. I just don't, I can't even be in the same room where he's on TV. I feel so stupid all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a fine line. There's always a sense that to be too articulate is to be distant. Yeah, right, right. Who, whoever said that? I mean, you talk about a straw man. I mean, these guys are just putting up scarecrows everywhere. To be the egghead. That's part of why Adlai Stevenson didn't become president. Oh, right. wow. I'm sure, that, I'm sure this guy thinks he's groovy because he mentioned Adlai Stevenson. Adelai Stevenson, you know, he was not very – I'm sure this guy thinks that, that he doesn't even probably – he wouldn't know Adelai Stevenson if Adelai Stevenson came and put a – crawled up his pants leg. But then on the other hand, we do have a very new situation where you can be aggressively, flagrantly, proudly inarticulate. Uh-huh. Right? And basically violating the language on purpose and looking up with a smile daily. Yeah, okay, so at that point, I mean, you know – Right, where I'm going. I'm going to the Barack Obozo archives after I after hearing these two people tell me how brilliant and amazing Barack Obozo was and how inarticulate and stupid Donald Trump is, translated how brilliant Joy Reid and her black higher echelon are and how stupid Whitey is for voting for a dumb hick redneck like Donald Trump, you know what happens there, right? I just go to something really simple that you could do yourself if you wanted to and just try to try to go back in time and look at uh, President Obozo and his speeches. So you want to do that? Let's let's you want to you want to you want to uh, go back in time and and research the erudite and unbelievably articulate Barack Obozo. You want to do that? Because Joy Reid has just urged me to do so. So I felt like reminiscing about how brilliant Barack Obozo was. Yeah. Identifying those who carried out these terrible attacks based on the rock-solid foundation built. This is the, this is the President Obama at a British thing with the Queen, Right. This is this is him. This is the erudite and unbelievably articulate Harvard grad or whatever he happens to be. This is this is this is him as our president of the United States, right? During Queen Elizabeth's lifetime of extraordinary service to her nation and to the world. Ladies and gentlemen, please stand with me and raise your glasses as I propose a toast. And, and, and at that point, 
they're all like, um, wait a second. That's not how we do it here at Buckingham Palace. We don't really toast before the... To Her Majesty, you know, the Queen. Yeah. To the vitality of the special relationship between our peoples and, in the words of Shakespeare, to this blessed... So, we're, so because you're such an idiot... Barack Obozo, and, and you decide to do the toast before the actual national anthem, we're going to go ahead and play the national anthem while your erudite, brilliant, unbelievably articulate mind and mouth wander on. Plot this earth, this realm, this England. I mean, he and he won't even stop. He think he thinks the national anthem is his background music for his toast. That that that's 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 your erudite, obozo right there. He he thinks that he thinks the British national anthem is his background music. You could you could hear him his soyer his soaring voice. As he as he believes that this music's being played as as background music for his amazing toast to the queen, and and, and, and the queen is like looking at the erudite, amazing, brilliant Obozo, like um, the national anthem is playing right now. I'm the queen, and you're a bozo. Put your glass down. Get it away from my face. You're not that erudite, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So he puts he puts the glass down after he he tries to present it to her during the British national anthem. Now now, by the way, imagine these idiots. Do they not know we're out here? Do they not know when we listen to Joy Reid and Jack McWarthog or whatever the hell the guy's name is, the language expert, when, when they listen to us, yeah, Scott says, how about the 57 states and the corpsmen? I, like to, I, I, want, to, I, want, to, uh, I want to tell you how uh, amazing the corpsmen are here. It's like, oh, thank you. You mean the corpsmen? Navy corpsmen. Yeah. So, again, Joy Reid, don't talk to me about how amazing and articulate. It's enchanted with the way she spoke. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that that is actually seen as a virtue for Democrats, whereas you would see people disparage President Obama for being almost too erudite and too articulate. Yeah, right. Exactly. You mean the guy I just watched propose a toast before the national anthem? A guy I just watched, uh, even as it's playing, he won't shut his fat erudite mouth and then you mean the guy who presented a, a a champagne glass to the queen and she looked at him like who the hell are you bust my table i mean seriously that's how erudite barack obozo presented himself back in that day now you want me to keep going i mean i will keep going by the way because this is too fun but let me just let me just go back to this here because it's just too much too much fun. very service to her nation and to the world. See this. See, see Barack Obama is so erudite and so amazing and articulate and so uh, we're so beneath him that he goes to Buckingham Palace and 
acts like he's the most important guy there. Ladies and gentlemen, please stand with me and raise your glasses as I propose a toast. To Her Majesty the Queen, to the vitality of the special relationship <laughs> Idiot. between our peoples, and in the words of Shakespeare, to this blessed plot, this earth, this realm, this England. So, again, our erudite, overly articulate president who apparently is way too smart for the room, you can tell that his voice actually picks up as the British national anthem plays, him thinking that it's his background music for his soaring oration. That's how articulate and erudite President Obama is. I wonder what Joy Reid thinks about that one. To the Queen. (laughs) Thank you. uh, But no thanks. Sounds like ours. And now, now, now we can do the toast, Obozo. Yeah, here. Now, now I, now I think I'll take a drink because, after all, I'm, I'm really not uh, in any way, shape, or form uh, prepared to, to sit here and do a, uh, uh, do an, to, to drink during our national anthem. I am the queen, after all. You want more? Here. We'll have that debate. You're not going to be able to do that by nickel and dime and me in the budget. You think we're stupid? Iran, Cuba, Venezuela, these countries are tiny compared to the Soviet Union. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The Soviet Union that had, I don't know what actual day this was, but I know what year it was, and it was when Obozo was running for president, and it was back in 2007, 2008. Let's 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 break that down again as we listen to the erudite, uh, brilliant, articulate Obozo. Okay, these countries are tiny compared to the Soviet Union. Yeah. Now, you all know because I remember watching it on TV. Remember when the Soviet Union collapsed and it was no longer the Soviet Union? I do. It was probably let's say let's say nineteen. 90, no, was it 89, 90, somewhere in that vicinity? I think it was H.W. Uh, Bush was presiding over that one at the time. And it was the collapse of the Soviet Union. Yeah, I think it was H.W. Well, either way, it was a good, let's see, 98, 2008, 98. It was a good 20 years before Obozo uttered those words. It was at least a good 20 years. There was no such thing as a Soviet Union at the time that this brilliant, erudite person named Barack Obozo uttered those words. It had long been broken up. And again, Joy Reid's the one who told me that President Obama is overly articulate. Seen as a virtue of Democrats, whereas you would see people disparage President Obama for being almost too erudite and too articulate. Yeah, too erudite and too articulate. You mean when he called it the Soviet Union in 2008 when 20 years earlier it had dissolved? Gotcha. You send a kid to the emergency room 
for a treatable illness like asthma. They end up taking up a hospital bed. It costs when if you they just gave you gave them treatment early, and they got some treatment and a, a breathalyzer. Oh, a breathalyzer. I see. So, so, so the kid with asthma got a breathalyzer. Is is that what? Wait, 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 wait. I, I guess he did because after all. <laughs> Um, and that that is actually seen as a virtue of Democrats, whereas you would see people disparage President Obama for being almost too erudite and too articulate. Yeah, too erudite and too articulate. So what again do you give a person, a kid with asthma again? I, I'm trying to figure that out. The ask the erudite guy, okay? please Somebody please ask the erudite and articulate guy what you do with somebody when they have asthma, a kid. What do you give them again? For a treatable illness like asthma, they end up taking up a hospital bed. It costs when if you they just gave you gave them treatment early, and they got some treatment and a a breathalyzer. Ah, a breathalyzer. That's what you give. I don't know. My daughter has asthma, and I've never given her a breathalyzer. Well, is is that at the is that at the uh, the police? Stop the police uh, DWI screen stop. Is that what you do there? I, I don't know. I'll ask the articulate and amazing Barack Obama, the erudite and articulate Barack Obama, what they give a person, kid with asthma. Um, and that that is actually seen as a virtue of Democrats, whereas you would see people disparage President Obama for being almost too erudite and too articulate. That's right. That's right, Joy. Uh, that's very, you, you, you just, uh, you couldn't have been more correct in that one. I'm, I'm amazed. That, uh, let's see. So let's go back. You've already seen the situation earlier with President Obozo. And, and let's go back then. Let's, let's retrace our steps here again. Let's see what we... In the Soviet Union. Ah, uh, Soviet Union, okay, which had broken up 20 years earlier and... Send a kid to the emergency room for a treatable illness like asthma. They end up taking up a hospital bed. It costs when... if you They just gave... You gave them treatment early and they got some treatment and a, a breathalyzer. Oh, yeah, of course it is. Right, it's a breathalyzer. Breath. I'm sorry, breathalyzer. Breathalyzer. Yeah. Okay. So he's articulate and erudite. Uh, just told us that a person, a little kid with asthma, just got a breathalyzer. It's like, okay. Uh, first of all, is this nitpicky? Yeah. Absolutely. You kidding me? But let me tell you something. I'm going to surgically remove any doubt at all whether or not we truly believe that Obama, Obozo, was erudite and articulate, okay? I'm, I'm going I'm to eventually, by the end of the morning, have surgically removed any doubt at all. Enjoy Reed's mind whether or not we felt intimidated by the brilliance of Barack Obama. She said it, not me. You want to bring that up on your show and talk about how we were intimidated by his scholarly acts and pronouncements that we were somehow amazed by his erudite nature, amazed by his brilliance and his articulate nature? No. We have Google, Joy, and Doc McWhorter, whatever the hell your name is. We, we, have, we have a thing called Google, YouTube, and video. And so if you're going to run your fat mouth about how President Trump is so stupid 
and all of his voters are so stupid and Whitey is so dumb and Black Joy Reid and Black Obama are so much higher above us. I'm going to go and investigate that. I'm going to go and look into that because I have a memory. Some of it has to be refreshed, but I've got a memory. So if you're going to go run your mouth about how stupid we all are and how brilliant Obozo was and reminisce about him, I'm going to reminisce too. I love the breathalyzer thing. That's really funny. I, I kind of forgot you, you about send that. send a kid to the emergency room for a treatable <laughs> illness like asthma. They end up taking up a hospital bed. It costs when if you they just gave you gave them treatment early and they got some treatment and a, a breathalyzer or a, <laughs> I have <laughs> I'm looking into the crowd and I, I did spot one person, which, which is funny. I'm like looking at the crowd because these guys all worship him so much that no matter what comes out of his mouth, it's going to be absolutely just written in stone. But there's always going to be that one person who's a little bit smarter than everybody else uh, who actually is the erudite and articulate one in the crowd who he says breathalyzer. She turns to her friend. You can tell. And, uh, a breathalyzer or an inhalator. <laughs> inhalator. <laughs> uh, a breathalyzer and an inhalator. Yeah. So much for the erudite articulate guy here. Can't get enough of this. And they got some treatment and a, a breathalyzer or an inhalator. Yeah, inhalator. <laughs> inhalator. It's like, yeah, okay. So, Joy, I'm sorry. What did you say again about Barack Obama being a- That is actually seen as a virtue of Democrats, whereas you would see people disparage President Obama for being almost too erudite and too articulate. That's right, Joy. That's right. We, we disparaged him for being too erudite and too, too uh, articulation. Articulative. Illness like asthma, they end up taking up a hospital bed. It costs when if you they just gave you gave them treatment early, and they got some treatment and a a breathalyzer (laughs) or an inhalator. That's right. Yeah, that's right, President Obama. A breathalyzer and an inhalator for your asthma-stricken young person. Now, by the way. Uh, if you really want to go there and 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 talk about how, I mean, because I, I that would be really gratuitous of me, but you could you could go on and on on this one, because believe me, uh, if you are, I hope Sasha and Malia didn't have asthma, because Daddy would be like, call uh, call the police and bring a breathalyzer here. We got to go to one of these uh, these. Uh, uh, DWI stops and get her treated right away. Take a blood sample. Okay, you know what? I'm not the one who called him erudite and articulate, okay? Don't blame me for this. Um, and that, that is actually seen as a virtue of Democrats, whereas you would see people disparage President Obama for being almost too erudite and too articulate. Yeah, too eruditative and, and articulative. That's right. You want more? Because believe me... Um, I don't know. Sometimes when you just have Google. On this Memorial Day, as our nation honors its unbroken line of fallen heroes, and I see many of them in in the audience here today, uh, I've now. You do? You're amazing. So you're not only erudite and articulative, 
you also see dead people. That's just incredible. Uh, maybe, uh, did you revive them with a breathalyzer? A- inhalator. I mean, on this Memorial Day, as our nation honors its unbroken line of fallen heroes, and I see many of them in, in the audience here today. Wow, you're, you're amazing. So, so President Obama, is, uh, that's, that's, the, that's the famous President Obama Memorial Day seance speech, apparently, where he was conjuring, I con- I'm conjuring go- ghosts of people. Again, am I being picky? Yeah, I'm being picky. You're damn right I'm being picky. Am I being gratuitously uh, mean? Yeah. Yes, I am. Because I don't want to sit here and listen to Joy Reid tell me. Democrats, whereas you would see people disparage President Obama for being almost too erudite and too articulate. That's right. That's what we did. We, 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 we picked on President We, we uh, disparaged him being too erudite. And too articulate. You want you you want to go back? Let's 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 review, shall we? Okay, let's just go all the way back and just review what we just did there. I'm, I'm going to skip the whole British national well, anthem. Venezuela, thing. these countries are tiny compared to the Soviet Union. You send a kid <laughs> to the emergency room for a treatable illness like asthma, they end up taking up a hospital bed. It costs when if you they just gave you gave them treatment early. And they got some treatment and a, a breathalyzer or an inhalator. <laughs> Please, people, this is too much fun. On this Memorial Day, as our nation honors its unbroken line of fallen heroes, and I see many of them in, in the audience here today. Yeah, amazing. Your, 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 your brilliant mind, once again, has just confounded us and... We picked on you all throughout those years for being too erudite and too articulate. That's right, Barack Obozo. That's right, Joy Reid. Your uh, personal Jesus, we were just so mean to. And this and this guy, this President Trump, he's what an idiot he is. And what an amazing we, – let's go back to the days of Barack Obama, shall we? To the days when actually the Soviet Union existed in 2008, asthma – attacked children were being treated with breathalyzers and fallen heroes appeared out of nowhere at Memorial Day services. Pretty amazing. Those were the days indeed. I've now been in 57 states. Yeah. And, and who an amazing time traveling 57 state guy. That's the erudite and articulate Obozo. Boy, I don't know. There's uh, about four minutes left. You want to do more? Because I, because I, I, again, I told you that I was going to erase any doubt in your minds that Joy Reid is an idiot, and her Doc McStuff and McWhorter language expert that she had there tagging along. I'm, I'm going to surgically remove, again, any doubt that Joy Reid and, and the people at MSNBC are just a bunch of hacks who know nothing, lie about history, and lie conveniently to disparage President Trump and his voters. I don't know what the term is in Austrian. Wheeling and dealing. Right. Austrian. Okay. 
Um, <clears throat> did I? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't pay much attention in uh, in Austrian class when I was in high school. But uh, I don't know what the word would be in Austria. Did you all take Austrian in high school? How'd you do? I took Spanish. Some now people take uh, Chinese and all kinds of things. But I never took Austrian. Wish I did because then I would then I would be able to answer President Obama's question. The term is an Austrian wheeling and dealing. I wish I wish I knew what the term in Austrian was for wheeling and dealing. Okay, okay. There's your erudite president, Joy Reid. What was she? Uh, eight when this was happening, or or was she in? Oh, this might have been when Joy Reid was busy typing about how much she hated gay people. So she must have missed some of these uh, Obama gaffes because she was too busy blogging about how she hated gays. Just uh, maybe that's why she missed this because I don't know how you could simply say that we disparage President Obama for being erudite and overly articulate and, and when you have all this on tape. But maybe she doesn't have Google or a computer. But she had to have one to type all of her anti-gay remarks on, I think. Navy corpsman Christian Bashar. That's right. Navy corpsman. That's right. I mean, really? This is too easy. Corpsman Bashar. Corpsman Bashar. Malia's 13. Sasha's 10. Malia was 14. Even I knew that. I knew, I knew his daughter's age, and he didn't. And but I disparaged him for being articulate and erudite. Okay, gotcha. The reforms we seek would bring greater competition, choice, savings, and inefficiencies to our healthcare system. That's right. They would bring inefficiencies to our healthcare system. That's brilliant. I mean, I don't know how how you could possibly not think that President Obozo is the most brilliant man on earth after hearing him speak. I could, I don't know, you want to review again? I don't know, I'll just keep going for a little bit longer, then we'll review. One of the things that is a huge advantage for America compared to countries like Europe. Yeah. What what country is that again? Europe? Okay. I mean, hey, listen, you're the erudite and articulate one. I mean, Joy Reid said you were. Wait a minute. Let me just go double back here. Whereas uh, you would see people disparage President Obama for being almost too erudite and too articulate. I got you. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you're right. We did. We we really attacked him for being too erudite because he he apparently, again, uh, was reincarnated the Soviet Union in 2008. He gave fallen heroes, he brought them back to life at a Memorial Day ceremony, and he invented a new language called Austrian and a new country called Europe. Now, that's brilliant. That's erudite. That's articulate. And he t- promised inefficiencies in our healthcare system with his new reform. It's amazing. He's incredible. And he also invented a new title, a new job in the Navy. 
A corpseman. Huh. Well, listen. Don't listen to me. Listen to the erudite and articulate Barack Obama. I mean, I'm just a stupid white Trump voter. Is actually, we constantly are replenishing ourselves with... Oh, no. By the way, I forgot. Oh, and, and you give asthma-attacked young people breathalyzers. Hungry, driven people. The members of our highest court are granted life tenure, often serving long after the presidents who appointed them. And they are charged with the vital task of applying principles put to paper more than 20 centuries ago. 20 centuries ago. The principles put to paper 20 centuries ago. So what would those have been? Written on a cave? Why well, the cavemen? When they wrote on the caves, uh, uh, they have, I, I, I took a, a piece of paper and, and, and I rubbed a piece of chalk over the paper, and then we got these principles that we just came off the the side of the walls of the cave. I mean, listen, I'm just a stupid Trump voter. Uh, I'm sorry, stupid white Trump voter. And President Obama is the erudite, articulate, black, amazing man. So I'm just going to take his word for it that these are principles that we came up with for our Constitution 20 centuries ago. I'm going to just take his take his word for that because he's i'm supposed to joy reed says i am because you know i'm, I'm i don't want to attack him for being she too spoke too um, erudite and that, that is actually seen as a virtue of democrats whereas you would see people disparage president obama for being almost too erudite and too articulate yeah oh, yeah i mean right. i think oh yeah a yeah of course yes now that you mention it joy 20 centuries ago i that the principles that that uh james uh madison uh, used when he uh, from the rubbings of a on a cave came up with the what I'm talking about here. And we are counting on you. There's much to celebrate from the FBI's first 100 days. The FBI's and and that's amazing because apparently the FBI at the time of President Obama's speech uh, might have been invented by him. So uh, yeah. Uh, he is, uh, yeah, the, the FBI's first 100 days. I, you know, the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, I invented when I came into office here. What I was suggesting, you, you're absolutely right that John McCain has not uh, talked about my Muslim faith. And you're absolutely right that that has not Christian come. Faith. Oh, that's articulate. He had to be corrected when he said my Muslim faith and... Uh, and, and Stephanopoulos had to correct him, like, you mean your Christian faith? Yeah. Okay. Now, again, I, I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't one of those who called, uh, I wasn't one of those who called Obozo a Muslim, but yeah. yeah my, my Christian faith. And, well, what I'm saying is that he has a suggestion. Oh, by the way, G is at the door and she's announcing it on Facebook. So, yeah. That I'm, that I'm, that I'm uh, a Muslim. I do believe that for folks like me who are, you know, have worked hard, but frankly, also been lucky. Yeah. Um, I don't mind paying just a little bit more than the waitress who I just met over there, whose things are slow, and she can barely make the rent. You know, because I, my attitude is that if, if the economy is good for folks from the bottom up, it's going to be good for everybody. If you've got a plumbing business, uh, you're going to be better off if you've got a whole bunch of customers who can afford to hire you. And right now, everybody's so pinched 
that business is bad for everybody. And and I think when you spread the wealth around, it's good for everybody. But I, listen, I, I respect what you do, and I respect your question. And the uh, you know, even if I don't go get your vote, I'm still going to be working hard on your behalf because I want to make sure small businesses are what creates jobs in this country, and I want to encourage them. Yeah, well, the, you can't. And again, that's a little more of a concept situation here, but you can't really, in the end, help small businesses by spreading the wealth around. That kind of goes right in the face of true capitalism, but that's more of a deeper People thing. People have been beaten down so long, and they feel so betrayed by government. Well, it's not surprising them that they get better they cling to guns or religion or uh, and that that's an early one. Remember that when when President Obozo was talking about how people get crazy and they cling to their guns and their religion. That was your articulate and erudite President Obozo. Like right? I mean, do we. I mean, do we need more. I mean, uh, I don't know all the facts. What's been reported, though, is that the guy forgot his keys. <clears throat> Uh, jimmied his way to get into the house. Uh, there was uh, a report called into the police station that there might be a burglary taking place. So so far, so good. They're, I don't know all the facts, but I'll go ahead and present them to you anyway. They're, they're reporting. The police are doing what they should. There's a call. They go investigate what happens. My understanding is at that point... Uh, Professor Gates is already in his house. Right. So, so I remember he began everything. The erudite and articulate president began everything saying, I don't know all the facts, but then proceeded to tell us what all the facts were. The police officer comes in. I'm sure there's some exchange of words, but my understanding is, is that Professor Gates then shows his ID to show that this is his house. And at that point, he gets arrested for disorderly conduct, um, charges which are later dropped. Now, I've, I don't know, not having been there and not seeing all the facts. So I don't know, not having been there and not seeing all the facts and beginning actually his entire speech by saying, I don't know all the facts. What role race played in that? But I think it's fair to say, number one, any of us would be pretty angry. Number two, that the Cambridge police uh, acted stupidly. Yeah. Mm. Uh, hey, Barack Obozo, erudite and articulate man, real facts matter. And you didn't have the facts, and you opened your fat mouth when you did. You didn't know that the... Soviet Union had broken up by the time you opened your mouth, you know, back in the day. I, we remember After it all. Getting health care passed. Yeah, I'm here. I had to take the notion. <laughs> you, keep you going, keep going. Nickel and diamond. Keep going. Tiny compared to the Soviet Union. Yeah. You send a kid to the emergency room for a treatable illness like asthma. They end up taking um, up a hospital it, bed. It costs when if you they just gave you gave them treatment early. And they got some treatment and a, a breathalyzer. Yeah. Are we are we done yet? Are we? Or an inhalator. Have we pretty much then basically 
told Joy Reid that she's wrong. That is actually seen as a virtue of Democrats, whereas you would see people disparage President Obama for being almost too erudite and too articulate. Yeah, that was, I mean, it took a long time, took a longer time than I really anticipated, but I thought, well, you know, uh, I, and then, then that, those are just word gaffes, and those are just gaffes when it comes to just simply saying stupid things, which would not basically qualify President Obozo as being articulate and certainly not erudite. If you really want me to go further, I can go right into the whole situation regarding his policies, which do not reflect an articulate man or an erudite man, whatever that happens to be or whatever that means. And we could get into his foreign policy blunders, his domestic policy blunders. But I think it's safe to say that that Joy Reid has a big fat mouth and she doesn't tell the truth. And if she's going to do that, I'm going to ram a hot poker up her ass. That's just how it works here at Rodeo Free Almond. And that's how I'm going to keep doing it. That's all. I'm just telling you, ladies and gentlemen, you know what? At the same time, without further ado, our national anthem, Gia Valenti's on the way, Jim Carafano too, but I got to get this basically coming your way as our national anthem. We'll take a break and set the cameras up for Gia. Gentlemen, at this time, we ask those who are able to please rise for our national anthem. Displaying the American flag are members of the Oakland Police Department. Here to perform the Star Spangled Banner, joined by famed bassist Benny Riefeld, please welcome back Bay Area native and rock and roll legend Carlos Santana!
looking up at the sky. He cussed, kicked the dust, saying, son, it's way too dry. The clouds up in the city, the weatherman complains. But where I come from, rain is a good thing. Rain makes corn, corn makes whiskey. Whiskey makes my baby feel a little frisky. Back roads are bogging up, my buddies pile up in my truck. We hunt our honeys down, we take them into town, start washing all our worries down the drain. Rain is a good thing. Ain't nothing like a kiss out back in the barn. Bringing out our soaking clothes, riding out a thunderstorm. When the tin roof gets to talking, that's the best love we make. Yeah, where I come from, rain is a good thing. Rain makes corn, corn makes whiskey, whiskey makes my baby feel a little frisky. Back roads are bogging up, my buddies pile up in my truck. We hunt our Jimmy Carafano, how you doing, man? Good morning this morning, uh, Jim Carafano. Hang on, i got to end the music here, put your pot back up, everything else, and there you are. Welcome to Radio yeah. Free Almond from it's the... Like running the space shuttle. I know, buddy. From the Discovery Design Studios here, discoverydesignink.com. And Jimmy Carafano, I noticed that uh, people were going a little bit crazy over the uh, President Trump Putin thing, check this out. There, a catastrophe. They did not like a disaster, this. I think. Yeah. First, first after North Korea talked about you know pushing back on Pompeo, then you had President Trump uh, and and the meeting with Putin. Everybody was freaking out about. Uh, and generally, you kind of wonder which side is the is the mainstream news media on these days for crying out loud. Well, you just remember, we just had this incredible fake news story about a bunch of Republican, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, members of Congress that yeah. went over to um, Russia and, the, and, and the, the Russian side said, oh, well, they didn't raise Crimea. They, they didn't talk about the elections. You know, they just love us. They just want to do business here. And then the American delegation and then that was all reported in the media. And then the American delegation said, what are you talking about? We, we didn't do any of those things. We said the Crimea was bad. We talked about that. We said the Russian election was bad. I mean, so it's just, you know, more fake news. So if you've been listening to interest, two interesting voices that have been very, very prominent in the media of late, one is Richard Cornell is the U.S. ambassador to Germany. And the other is Kay Bailey Hutchinson is the U.S. ambassador to NATO. And they have both been saying, look, you know, we're here do serious business at NATO, talk about burden sharing, but there's a lot of things on the agenda. It's all very, very serious. Same thing with the Putin meeting. You know, we're here, we should now talk about the serious issues. And so either we have the two most senior European officials in the State Department in Europe, either basically just making this stuff up, or they're forecasting what the administration is going to try to do, 
but that sounds nothing like all this mainstream media, you know, Yahoo stuff that you talk about. Yeah, I'm I'm amazed though at at, at this idea. I mean, you know, the, uh, President Obama back in the day, uh, meeting with the Russian rep and talking about how things are going to change right. after his like all this kind of stuff. And and these guys, you know, I thought that the idea originally was, and and again, this is like shooting fish in a barrel, Jimmy. This is really easy for us to talk about, and and probably you know, it's a sad state of affairs that we have to double back and kind of correct the record here, but. Back in the day, uh, it was determined that President Trump was going to be the worst possible thing for this world, that in fact we were going to get into World War III and everything else. And now you have a president who's uh, meeting with people who otherwise we wouldn't ever have really seen much of a confab like the one with Kim Jong-un or for that matter even with Putin to the degree that he's doing, and they can't tolerate that either. Well, to be fair, I, the president knows that every time he talks about Russia, it, it just drives yeah. the other side to distraction. And so I wonder, I mean, look, I haven't talked to him since you know, before the election. I wonder if sometimes he just says some of this stuff just to get everybody spinning out of control. Because the people that support him, I, I think, generally trust him, not not just because they voted for him, but they look at what they've seen the last two years and the economy get better. America's stature in the world, uh, is, is more respected. Um, we're more forward leaning on foreign policy. Uh, you know, at home, actually, uh, things, you know, confidence is rising. They, they, you know, they look at that stuff and they just ignore it. Remember the, the famous saying during the, uh, election that people that support Trump take him seriously, but not literally. And, and those that hate him take him literally, but not seriously. And, you know, that essentially that has held, I think over the, the first two years of his presidency. Yeah. And, and here is the other thing, uh, this is regarding NATO and there are a lot of individuals who I've never seen more interest in protecting the interests of NATO before, uh, when President Trump was talking about this, but there's some indication somehow that the president in asking for some input regarding uh, the defense budgets and even for that matter regarding trade, and he's tying that into the WTO as well, that, that somehow this is beyond his scope, that he certainly has no real right to demand such things from NATO, and that ultimately his decisions and his comments uh, represent a disrespect and and even for that matter towards the end, an end to our relationship with NATO. And really, that's not the case. I mean, we're he's just he said he was going to put America first, and and that's what he's doing. So this isn't all that diabolical, correct? Well, look. First of all, presidents for two decades have been complaining about burden sharing that other members of NATO states are not contributing sufficiently for what NATO needs. So they put a benchmark out there, 2% of GDP. All the NATO countries agreed to that because they all pretty much acknowledged that they weren't meeting their requirements. And then they did nothing. I mean, and all Trump did was come in office and say, look, it's a political military alliance. It's not just your military commitments and your financial commitments, but if you can't hold up your part, you're demonstrating that the alliance isn't worth it to you. So you you got to step up, and and to his credit, uh, many countries 
uh, have put out concrete plans to grow their defense budgets, some of them to the 2% margin, some of them not to 2%, but increases, which definitely, you know, like a country like Germany increases the spent defense spending. Even if they don't go to 2%, it's a pretty big economy in Europe. That, that brings a lot of new capability, more readiness, better training to the table. So I, I'm kind of a little just kind of head scratching here. It's like, well, they're doing more because the president asked them to, that makes us stronger NATO. So what's the problem? Yeah. Am I missing something? No. Well, see, that, that, that's what I can't figure out. And, and, I'm, I'm, and is, is NATO, I mean, I, I don't see, I, I, I think not too long ago, maybe a week and a half ago, even Angela Merkel was, was kind of backside praising right. the president. I mean, she, she, even she wasn't angry as, as angry as the guys over at NBC. Yeah, I mean, look, and that's, and you know, like I travel a lot and I talk to a lot of these guys and they make it sound like all of Europe is in an uproar and they all hate, you know, Trump. And the reality is, is, you know, I've been to many countries in Europe. Parts of Europe is actually quite popular. Um, most European, the closer you get to the front lines with Russia, the countries really acknowledge we really, really need the United States. But here it's just portrayed like wackiness. I mean, nothing I think is more illustrative than the, the kind of dueling balloon thing, right, in London. So these guys got this big, you know, balloon of Trump and a diaper yeah. and they're going to float it. Yeah. And on all the leftist media, they, all they're doing is like talking about this, like, oh, my God. Right. Where it's, you know, it's, it's just kind of your typical, you know, partisan publicity stunt. Who cares? But but there's also a balloon of Khan, the mayor of London, who is actually reviled by many people in the UK, who's probably the president's you know, most vocal critic in Great Britain. And somebody made a balloon of him in a diaper. Right. And so all the leftist media are talking about the Trump balloon. They didn't say anything about the con balloon. I mean, it's like, it's illustrative of like how ridiculous the whole coverage thing has become. I mean, look at the spate of literally false news articles that we've seen come out in the last, and these aren't fake news. These are because they're real news and real coverage, but they're so partisanly slanted. So we had the one about the, the false story about the Republicans in going to Moscow. Then we had the story that, that Trump wanted to invade Venezuela. False. Trump was kicking immigrants out of the military. False. I mean, it's just one after the other of these stories. Yeah. And meanwhile, I mean, we do have some serious business at hand. And this visit to the U.K. is an important one. Hopefully it goes better than when President Obama was over there. I just actually just played a little <laughs> A little uh, snippet because Joy Reid had had basically laid it out that somehow we're all just uh, Trump is so stupid and what a hayseed he is and President Obama is so erudite and so articulate and so I played a snippet of him at, at Buckingham Palace when he gave the toast before the actual national anthem and even to the point where he thought the national anthem was background music for his soaring oratory. And presented a, a a champagne glass to the queen. She goes, "Dude, the well." She didn't say "dude," but she said the national anthem's playing. Get that out of my face. So hopefully it goes better than uh, you know been the last time. But still, at well, the look, it, I hear, yeah. No, here's what I think's gonna look. There, I, I mean, you know, we work, we were do you know heritage. We do a lot of research on NATO. The agenda is actually quite serious. There, there'll probably be a lot of historical commentary, but 
but the agenda in the meeting is quite meaty and quite serious. I think it'll be fine. The London trip is some actually some, from some very serious discussions with the British government. That's going to be fine. The meeting with Putin, they're going to sit down and talk. All the European leaders meet Putin. Netanyahu just met with Putin, for God's sakes. So everybody meets with him and talks to him. With the president of the United States can't do that. I think that'll be fine. I don't think much substantively will come out of this. Certainly, I don't think anything negative of real substance will come out of this. There'll just be a, a lot of Yahoo media. That's all. Yeah, that's, that, that is for sure. And it's interesting, too. I think they have the same problem over there that we do here with NPR. And NPR, I mean, isn't as bad as I've, – I've listened to it and – you know, it used to be a little more crazy, and I, and I think actually to some degree it is somewhat balanced depending on what show you listen to. But apparently the BBC, which is also taxpayer-funded, they're actually seemingly organizing these Trump protests. It's just crazy over there. Yeah. I mean, they have a very – I mean, I do BBC a lot. Yeah. They have a very aggressive tone. Yeah. And it always sends out like uh, prove to me. The first thing that question is like prove to me Trump isn't wrong. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that passes for an interview. So yeah, it's crazy. Well, buddy, listen, I appreciate you as always. Someone just said on Facebook that you are their favorite guest here at Radio Free Almond. So oh man, man, you're the best, oh, dude. Especially c- considering right, I considering I'm, I'm, I texted you this morning saying, "Hey, you still good?" You're like, "Wait a minute, it's Monday already." Yeah. So next next week I'll be in, be in uh, Kosovo. So uh, go hang on there, brother. I'll be back. What are you doing in Kosovo? I'm, I'm going to Kosovo and Croatia because they're they're important countries. Yeah, people need to visit them and learn more about them. We have. I have to tell you Especially. one. One thing is pretty cool here, and 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 and, a, and again another example of how the U.S. has very little to apologize for when it comes to being welcoming to people. But back in the day, I think it was 1991, 92, that area there where we had a huge influx of Bosnian refugees here uh, into the St. Louis area. And, man, I'll tell you, these Bosnians, they basically rebuilt uh, part of a dying part of St. Louis, and they've been nothing but amazing in terms of uh, how they've done what they've done for the the actual uh, city of St. Louis. So. Uh, they're pretty tough people, I'll tell you. Yep, so true. And, yep. and, and, All right. And, and uh, say, one more thing, though. One more thing. I also knew, th- I don't know whether there's still this animus between the Croatians and the Bosnians. Is that still apparent, or what? what is that? Uh, Serbians um, and Croatians. Yeah, no, but, I mean, not really. I mean, Bosnia's got some in- internal issues, um, but... Uh, no, the real thing is, is the, the Kosovars and the Serbians. Those are the guys that, yeah. Cause you know, the, you know, like the, uh, the, the stars of the Swiss team were actually two Kosovar refugees and they scored the winning goals against Serbia. So Serbia was like deeply humiliated, but wow. All right. But you know what? As long as they're not shooting each other, it's all good. Yeah, brother. And well, let me tell you, I wouldn't be going there if they were, you know, I'm not going to be here either. I'm going to be in Italy next week. So. Hey, you should come visit. You're just like one, like one C away. Am I really? All right. Yeah, yeah. Croatia's just like on the other side of the little tiny sea. There, you could if you take big, big Jamie Almond steps, you could like just walk over. Well, you know, maybe I'll rent one of these uh, paddle boats and just take it right all over there. I won't even. I won't return it for another you know couple days. Do that. Yeah, yeah. We'll drink wine. They have good wine. Good wine and uh, and Cro- yeah. 
Actually, I'm good beaches in Croatia. Oh, wow. Come by. So I hear, okay, okay. Come ahead, man. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> All right, All right love you, Jimmy. Safe travels, buddy. Appreciate you as always. That's uh, Jim Carafano, heritage.org, people. Yes. Coming up, Gia Valenti and Christy Nichols, who is running for the U.S. Senate, you know, had a good time there with Cortland Sykes and his people. This is Radio Free Almond from the Discovery Design Inc. Studios. Folks, yes, indeed. Good morning this morning. You like that? That's called uh, Death Cab for Cutie, people. Isn't that cute? want to welcome Mattress King to the Radio Free Almond Palooza. Thank you, Mattress King. These are awesome folks there. And by the way, the mattresses are made with bamboo in them. you believe that? Right there at Saint, South St. Peter's Parkway in St. Peter's. And I love these guys. And if you go to Facebook.com and you do, like, put in one Mattress King, you can find them there. They have a really active Facebook page. And they've got cash discounts galore. You follow them on Facebook. They've got some great deals for you. And they are the exclusive Simboy mattress dealer as well. These mattresses have bamboo in them, people. They're hugely comfortable. And there's a Symbol mattress. The Symbol mattress is basically one of these untold stories in the mattress world. It's kind of like Aldi. Do you ever shop at Aldi, Gia? Yes. All right, so in the past, like when I was a kid in high school, mm-hmm. we used to be like, yo, mama shop at Aldi. You know, we used to make fun of people. 
you know. Was, Al- was Aldi around when oh, we were in high school? Yeah, baby. I guess it Way was. back in it. I mean, but that was when it was a small grocery right. store. And so it, it it was kind of like a like it was well no we used to be it used to be Friedman Railroad Salvage okay like we tease people like your mama shop at Friedman Railroad Salvage the dented can place you know <laughs> the dented can or at Aldi but Aldi was around then but it was always seemingly seen as a down market but absolutely. the reality is now though it's what, the place to go it absolutely is right because mm-hmm. like Aldi has apparently some of the best produce you're going to find anywhere correct best produce. So you know. Oh, yeah. I, I'm a quarter cart girl. Are you really? Oh, yeah. Good for you. We love, you can get anything there, though. You can, you can get um, a leather bomber jacket. You could get a- At Aldi? Blow up rafts for your pool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know, that. I know about yeah, that part of it. All sorts of stuff. Well, mm-hmm. so, if you, so, so if you could place yourself in my shoes as I talk to you about, about Mattress King being the Aldi of the mattress world, they're understated- but they overperform when it comes to all of your mattress needs, and so they have bamboo in. They're made with bamboo, so I mean, I've, they're all ultra comfortable. Bamboo is the unsung hero of comfortability on mattresses, and right now, if you go to Mattress King, find them on Facebook, and they'll offer pricing fifty percent below what a retail retail store will uh, charge you, and they do it only by appointment. And they don't bring you in and do all this garbage with all these. Like I've had this, I've had, I've done the sleep number thing, mm-hmm. and, they, and, they, and they make it out to be like it's this highly crazy, crazy technological advance. Right. And really, it's very simple. You want a good night's sleep. You want a certain mattress that might affect your back or your side or your whatever your body, and you don't need to be told that you have a sleep number or any of that other stuff. Don't label me. Exactly. I'm not a five, okay? I know. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need all that stuff. So Mattress King is one of those over-delivering and certainly is fantastic. If you find them at Facebook or you can call them, 636 636-698-5167. 636-698-5167. Right there on the telephone. Gia Valeni, how you doing? I'm great. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Christy Nichols. Were you at the were you at the America First Missouri debate? Okay, well, Christy Nichols is one of the five that Mm -hmm. were uh, at the debate. We had Cortland Sykes, we had Tony Minetti, we had Austin Peterson, we had Peter Pfeiffer, and Christy Nichols. So we had five. Hawley was invited, he didn't show up. Right. But Christy Nichols is one who has uh, uh, been around the block, has run before, has been in politics, and I think we have a great group of Republican U.S. Senate mm-hmm. candidates. And I also believe that I told Cortland this over the weekend when I was there at his barbecue event. I said, buddy, I'm telling you, a, one of these candidates, there are 11 of them, uh, and I, I don't know much about the other ones other than the five that have been more uh, prominent mm-hmm. and, and, or interviewed them. But I said, you could win this Senate race with 18, 19% of the vote. That, that's oh, for the, sure. I, yeah. People think that these guys are all going to cannibalize each other right. and Holly's going to take it away. I don't buy that. No, I don't think so either. But I will tell you, I'm, I'm struggling I've, on who I've, I, I need. I, I'm hoping that. We see more. We get more information. I'd like to see a, a, another debate. 
Yeah, but you know what? It's probably not going to happen. I know. I know. And, I, and I'm, I'm afraid that that's on purpose uh, because I'm, I'm afraid that this is all designed to keep the Hawley ship afloat. Right. Now, again, I'm not aggressively anti-Hawley, but I am anti party deciding who the nominee is going to be right. before we've decided. Right. That's one thing I absolutely don't like. Right. And if Hawley wins, I'll support him. But uh, because I, th- I think that's important, but I will tell you there's a little bit of a danger in turning off a lot of Republicans if he does wind up winning and we can basically link it to a premature crowning. Right. That's going to make people angry. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So we don't want to be in that situation. And I think, let's see, uh, this is Christy Nickel. I'm outside the studio. All right, Christy's, yeah, she's, I got to be notified. I don't have, I don't have people, Gia. You don't? I have to rely on people messaging me on Facebook that you're out the door. Or Christy Nichols uh, deciding she's going to uh, text me and tell me she's outside. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're a bare bones operation here. I think it's great. I, you know what? It keeps us humble, right? It keeps you humble. Yes. Josh Hawley has a new ad out, though. The, I mean, and this baby is like – it's so funny how we just learned last week that the Republican Party Executive Committee went ahead and decided they were going to throw national money towards Josh Hawley's campaign even before Missourians decided. And it just so happens that a couple days later, guess what we get? The eyes of the nation are on Missouri. We decide which values control the Senate and the Supreme Court. Claire McCaskill wants liberals in charge. That's how she votes. That's not Missouri's way, and it won't be my way. I got my start at the Supreme Court, defending religious liberty. I haven't met my wife there. She's a tough lawyer, too. I'm Josh Hawley. I know our way of life is at risk. That's why I approve this message. You know, I've known Josh Hawley for a while. I interviewed him when he was running for attorney general. He really is a good guy, and he really is a very capable person. And in fact, back in the day, he was not really seen as an establishment guy. He was actually kind of off the grid, pro-religious liberty, and he was more of an independent guy. But suddenly he gets sucked into this Danforth machine – and I think it hasn't helped him, to tell you the truth. And also it hasn't helped him that we kind of elected him as the, uh, as the attorney general and then suddenly he's wanting out. Right. And that drives a lot of people yeah. nuts. Oh, absolutely. That's, I think, a, a big reason why it's the uh, anyone but Holly. I know. And, and, Mantra, and, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not convinced. I will tell you that 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 there are some people who I talked to at the Cortland Sykes Barbecue. You know, they're dedicated conservatives, but if he gets the nomination, I'm afraid that there are some people who are just simply not going to go to the polls. Mm-hmm. And it'll be a foregone well, conclusion that McCaskill's the winner. I hope it doesn't I, happen. I hope so. <laughs> well, that's concerning. Yeah, big time. How's the uh, Learn with Moxie operation going there? It's going well. Yeah? Yeah. Are you are, Now, we're gearing up. We're towards school. If you all don't uh, know more uh, much about this, Gia was on originally uh, just because we talked about Learn with Moxie, mm-hmm. which has been your passion. And basically, it is a focus on trying to wean your children 
off of their electronic devices mm-hmm. and their addiction to them. Now, before you left on vacation, I had you on the phone. Right. Remember? Yeah. And we talked about all your to. different ways in which you were going to uh, occupy the children on the ride <laughs> and not have them glued to their devices. So how did everything work? Great. I mean, my my kids are they they're used to this now. I mean, they have been uh, detoxed, <laughs> yeah, fully, fully detoxed. So, what'd you do then? What what what, what? we did? Mad Libs. We did, and you know, they're at that age where everything is like butt and poop and yeah. Right. So when you ask for a noun, that's yeah, what you get. You of know? course, yeah. So <laughs> Mad Libs ridiculous. have been around for I mean forever. They're actually pretty funny. <laughs> they are funny, and we laughed. We had a lot of good laughs. So we did that, and we did. Um, they did these things called paint by sticker, which are really cool. Huh. So it's like paint by number, but they're stickers and you stick them on. And some are very sophisticated and advanced. Like there's hundreds right. of things. And you know, it was really fun. And this was an electronic, but I had it in my hands. I, not really an electronic. It was a box and it was the Oregon Trail. Oh yeah. Wow. And it was the original font, you know, the, yes. the, the, what it looked like. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, we were cracking up because I would ask the kids questions, you know, do you want to be a banker from Boston? Do you want to be? And so I was, I was controlling it. (laughs) We we did more Googling. I did more Googling on that trip to tell my kids what typhoid was and cholera and dysentery. (laughs) Just cracking up. It was fun. We had a good time. But let me be clear about one thing because I I don't want to be misleading. My kids can watch movies. They are allowed to watch a movie. This is not, you know, we talked about, I think you talked about the Wizard of Oz and they're allowed to watch movies. I'm not so, you know, rigid that I can't. uh, Well, you're not a a Luddite, as they say. You're not anti-technology. I just don't want to sit there staring at Crossy Road for a 12-hour road trip or Angry Birds or Roadblocks or whatever it is anymore. I don't know. You know, uh, now that you mentioned dysentery. Uh, basically, if it, and I remember I had, a, I had a book that I loved, and it was called Facts About the Presidents. And my uh, my grandmother had given me the book because she knew I was fascinated by the presidents. So back, back when I was a kid, I knew everything about the presidents, mm-hmm. all the little details about them. That's great. Facts about the presidents. But they also talked about how they died. <laughs> And back in the day, these guys died of dysentery, dysentery, which basically means you pooped yourself to death, basically. Oh, it's bad. That was really not a great disease. No, no, it's not. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. It's not funny. It's just that, you know, my son is like, Mom, have I ever had dysentery? <laughs> no, honey, you haven't. Well, it's, it's, kind, of like, it's kind of like diarrhea it's on bloody. steroids. It's bad, yeah. You're basically crapping out your entire insides. Yes. It's not a fun thing. No, no, no. And, you know, one by one, we were dying. You know, this one had a fever, and this one broke their leg, and then our, our wagon was on fire, and <laughs> the thieves came in the night and stole our, all our sets of clothing, and... You know, or, has the Oregon Trail actually the game, the internet game? Has it been modernized, or is the cool thing about it that it is so basic? I don't know. This, okay, I bought this at Target. So right. on my mission to go purchase all of these things for yeah. the road trip, I saw this Oregon Trail. I thought, what is that? Because I mean, I haven't seen the, seen or heard about the Oregon Trail since yeah. we did it, you right. know, on the IBM. But right, the IBM. So I'm looking at it. And I thought, well, this looks like fun. So yeah. I bought it. But you, I, I don't you, know. I don't know if there's a... You refer to the IBM the way people refer to the Frigidaire. The Frigidaire. You know? Or, the, or, or called, the Zenith. 
the zenith. You know, turn on the zenith. So over the weekend, you were out and about, and last week, and then of course it unfolded because Friday was the day I think that it was the black ribbon cutting mm-hmm. ceremony for the arch, or was it Thursday? I don't remember. Either way. And, and I did, by the way, find out Steve Church actually texted me that day. And I didn't pass it on to you guys. You can buy ribbon-cutting scissors, the oversized <laughs> scissors. You can buy them on Amazon. Oh, good. Yeah. So you, 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 you can buy them because I, I always wondered where in the hell did they get the oversized scissors. And the other question I had was did the white ribbon-cutters – give loan their oversized scissors to the black people. I don't know. You know, when I looked at that second picture, I didn't compare it to the first one, first of all, to see if the scissors looked anything alike. I did. Oh, you did? Yeah, and I couldn't tell. Really? That's the kind of, that's how that's how really uh, too much time I have on my hands. So, I'm like I looked at the, the black people ribbon side. cutting picture and go, is the, are those the scissors from the white people? That's all I all I cared about was <laughs> did they loan cuz that would be the that would be the 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 nail in the coffin of sensibility there. If the blacks had to borrow the whites' oversized scissors, right? Actually, that would have been perfect, but for 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 our purposes, because it would have been laughable. But I would I bet dollars to donuts, as my mom would say, which I still don't understand what that means. Dollars to donuts, but do, I, dollars to donuts, I would bet that that oversized scissor pair. Or uh, uh, was given to uh, to the black guys. I want to know who's the keeper of the scissors. Is it are they lightest? Well, I I dispute the idea that it's called a pair of scissors because uh, a pair of scissors would be two, two. But I guess the I guess the, so. It means that the scissor is just <laughs> one thing. My husband laughs at me because I say scissor. Right. <laughs> so that's why Edward. That's why it wasn't Edward Scissors Scissors hands. It was Edward Scissorhands because right. he had one hand that was part of a scissor, right? Right. Or was it well, – yes, yeah, so it was two scissors. A pair of scissors would be the two things. So a scissor would be just one part of a pair of scissors. Right. Right. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd call him Edward Scissorhands. is it the blade itself – is a scissor right? The blade itself, and that's well. So that's then, why you can only way you can get get away from. That's the only way you can get away with calling it a pair right. of scissors, right? Is because each blade is a right scissor. And, but but in this case, then it would be a pair of scissor, uh, a pair of scissor. <laughs> because because you don't you don't because you say uh, uh, a like a, a pair of socks, right? Or. Uh, Why isn't it a pair of, of socks? Right, exactly. A pair of See, sock. right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, in all kidding aside, though, if there was anything more emblematic of how crazy this city is, in terms of just the white liberals are just inept, and the blacks are not far behind, uh, as evidenced by the fact that the St. Louis American has a fat white hipster as their editor, which is beyond me. Like, even when the blacks have their own newspaper, they hand it over to Whitey. I don't understand that either. So this ribbon-cutting thing was just unbelievable to me how they didn't... I'm like, you know, I'm not one of those people who always looks for the color coding and there ought to be one black here and one white there and one black over there. But this whole thing, I mean, really? I mean, it, it, it was... 
such a sign of the craziness of the city and how really the city is so divided anyway. And, and, and really, honestly, it's not common to have this kind of division. You go to Birmingham, Alabama. You go to Atlanta, Georgia. Blacks and whites are living together and existing together just fine, thank you very much. But for whatever reason, in St. Louis, it's either black or it's either white. And you were among some people over the weekend who articulated the same thing, correct? Yeah, and you know, I, the, you are correct. This day and age, knowing what we know about where we are and how important um, diversity is and inclusion, it would make sense that our our um, politicians in the city of St. Louis would know the same thing that our schools know, which is the very first image on your website is um, an Asian child and an African-American child and a white child and a, a special needs child, right? I mean, isn't that what pictures look like in generally. our education? Generally, right. Yeah. Except, so- I th- except I do notice, though, that like a white boy is normally not represented like, like like normally if it's anything white it would be like a girl usually right. it would like a white male generally isn't i don't really keep mm. tabs or keep score right. but generally it's it's a it's a white male now uh that, that is not i don't see a white male i see like a white girl or whatever right. but the white male generally isn't but anyway to your point so so i was speaking with someone now i we all one thing i do know and maybe you can school me on this jamie yes is lacy clay was invited yes to the original ribbon cutting. Yes. Then I heard, and again, this is where I'm, I heard, don't know, so help me out, anybody, even Facebook folks, that it wasn't just Lacey Clay, that there were about seven or eight other African-American members that were invited on the original ribbon cutting. Now, that's what I've heard. Do you know anything about that? Uh, I don't because I do know that, that, that Lacey Clay was invited. He had a... He had some commitment with his family, which right. I understand. It's July 4th. I mean, you, you, right. or that, that week, and he, the people do go on vacation, whatever. So I knew that, that, that he declined, but I didn't know what. So, so you're saying that, like, for instance, uh, the president of the Board of Aldermen, Louis Reed, were was invited. invited. I don't know about Louis Reed, but I, I heard others were invited. Well, I heard that Darlene Green, the comptroller, was not invited. Okay. But maybe she was. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't get specific names. But let's just let's just say it was just Lacey. Okay? Let's right. just say it was just Lacey. Why can't it just stop there? Why why does it have to go on? He was invited. He couldn't make it. The story ends there. Well, here's here's a here's the thing. I go all the way back to and I did this then. Why even what? Why do they still do these ribbon cutting things? Oh, yeah. I like know. what? What is that all about? Because right. it seems to me that it that for whatever reason it seems like it's like like a nineteen fifties type right. of thing to do. Right. And, and and it's like when they give you the big giant key. Yeah. You know the key, the mayor. It's right. it's so it's it's ridiculous on its face, and and yet you'd think that in this modern day. Uh, considering that they figured out all different kinds of ways to have, you know, the they don't do the VP fair anymore. I call it the VP fair anymore. Or, and by the way, uh, who thought it was a good idea to have some, uh, a hooded white person parading down 
Market Street in St. Louis. Who thought that was a good idea at one point? Hooded white person. I know what we'll do. We'll have a we'll have a hooded white person called the Veiled Prophet. We'll put them up on a float and parade it right down St. Louis Market Street. It's tradition. It's I know Louis it is. Tradition. I, I know. The know. Veiled, I know many members of the Veiled. Me Prophet. too. And they're very philanthropic group of yes, people. It, yes, but I, know. Yeah. I do not, understand. I know, no, I know a ton of them. But I yeah, I'm, I'm just saying it's kind of funny. Yes. But, but, the, but the idea of a ribbon cutting in general, you'd think that they would have come up with something different. And, and by the way, the people who were actually at the ribbon cutting, in their defense, they were kind of part – it is a federal park. I mean it's a, it's, it's a right. landmark and, and the funding of it came through a variety of different sources, including St. Louis County and St. Louis City. So you would think like Stanger was there. You know, the mayor was there. But you'd think that, like, for instance, the president of the Board of Aldermen or the comptroller or somebody would also be there. And apparently, it's my understanding, Lewis Reed was not invited to be. He was at the, at the other one. Hmm. So, so was there some insinuation somehow that the black people who were invited there didn't show up on purpose? I don't know if anybody insinuated that. And I dare I say that it didn't – the thought definitely crossed my mind. It, it, did. it did. It crossed my mind. Yeah. I, and I, I, I don't want to feel bad about that because I think that we're living in this culture now in St. Louis where we have to make we, – we, if we don't keep this conflict going, it's like uh, people who really enjoy drama – they, they, they really have to have that drama. Right. They can, we can't let this go. We, we're really struggling in our city to let this go. I, I, it baffles me. I have so many African-American friends – um, that by the way, I, I I'm allowed to call them my black friends. Like yeah. I, I can say black. Yeah, I don't. Um, but they're not African. I, I don't understand. I just I don't I, because because it doesn't pertain to me in my life with my friends. I I'm not I'm not having I, I'm not experience, experiencing the same issues that other people are experiencing. I suppose I'm. I don't. I've never tried to keep my black friends down or make them feel oppressed. And in, or in some way make my I'm better than them. There's I've just never had that. So it's very foreign to me that we're still having this kind of right. And and the second the the redo picture really bothered um, me. And that that is the redo picture bothered me because I thought if if the offer was there and nobody attended for and you missed right. the photo, right. you missed the photo. Yeah. Big deal. But I, it, it's comical because I think we just have. Simply the idea – and I, I kind of said this when it happened and I, I still maintain this, that when when Bruce Franks decided he was going to tweet that he noticed there weren't any black people, that it was surprising to him, I tweeted him back. I said, why is this surprising to you in the city of St. Louis, buddy? This should not be surprising to you at all because I have maintained all along – that white liberals really don't care as much as they say they do uh, about the prosperity or the uh, the well-being of blacks as much as they say they do. And that's why you have these cities that are run by white liberals that are you know what holes uh, and and and, uh, and sometimes usually you can pinpoint it to even being just run by Democrats. Period, because Detroit was run by Democrats and, and black, by the way. Uh, Baltimore, 
but St. Louis and others, the, the, I think that the common theme is not necessarily white people, it's Democrats. But the reality is, though, uh, white Democrats have pretty much ruled the roost in the Democratic Party uh, ongoing and, for that matter, in a lot of our cities that mm-hmm. we're seeing crumbling or doing whatever. And so, to me, this doesn't surprise me at all that the white liberal establishment in the city of St. Louis that that basically put together this whole affair uh, and, and had a had a way of changing it and, and putting a different face on it just simply didn't because it didn't occur to them. Right. Yeah. Didn't occur it's to Lida Cruz and to, to, to make sure the optics were correct. correct right. And, it, it, it's certainly possible. And we fall into a trap, though, where we are all about optics. And, and this one, though, stood out. And, and that's why I do believe that the blacks kind of had a point. Like it's like this. This is emblematic of kind of the way things have been going, and we haven't really progressed all that much. If we have a major ceremony like this, and 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 you 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 have like half and half. Like I saw pictures of black people taking pictures of the ribbon cutting, and it, it wasn't really necessarily representative of the population of the city, but it also wasn't a city thing in defense of some of these people. It's a federal, state kind of thing, county thing. What I would like to ask at some point, I'd like to ask some of my black friends, if they in any way feel that it's disingenuous to strategically make certain that token black people are positioned properly in, in, for the optics, if that is in any way bothersome to them. I, well, to tell you I, the truth. That would bother me. If I were asked to be in a photo because, yeah. because you're black. I am right. That is very disingenuous to me. I, why would I want to be in a photo like that? Why, why in my life would I want to have a job because – why do I want to get the job because I'm black? Why do I want – I want to get – I want to be in a picture because somebody really wants me to be in there. I want to get the job because somebody really thinks I can do it. I want to be asked to speak because I'm an excellent orator. You know? Right. I, I don't understand this. I want to – I would – I'm going to ask some of my black friends that. Do you feel well, like a pawn I mean, in any way? Right. When that happens, I, but I don't think I don't think inviting the president of the board of aldermen no. or the comptroller no. makes them a pawn. No, not Lewis Reed or any of those folks. Yeah, I mean, no. I, I don't think I don't think that's tokenism. That's people who, who made have... things happen. Correct. And the fact that I they agree. weren't there uh, is is I would I, I think understandably troublesome, and again indicative of the white liberal establishment in the city of St. Louis and right. uh, the the Lida Crusen wing. Uh, I, I honestly believe that that they didn't even think about that. Who were all the people who made it for the second picture? Do I don't know? know. I didn't. Did you know? I, I didn't even. I, I was just more concerned about whether or not they were bequeathed the big scissors. <laughs> I didn't even look at who they were. I, on last week when you were talking, I, about I know the- I did. I did see the fat doughy editor of the St. Louis American there. He mm-hmm. was the actually the only white guy in in the picture. Mm-hmm. I did notice that Chris King. Chris King. Yeah. Which still confounds me how a black newspaper of record in the city of St. Louis has a white guy as the editor is beyond me. Now, again, I'm not saying that white people don't understand black people problems, but, uh, but you'd think that the, the, but the, the black newspaper of record you'd think would have like a black person as an editor. You can't find a black person to, to edit a newspaper. Right. I mean, I mean that that tells you everything you need to know about how backwards this the entire city is. I know. 
You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's shameful because it really gets in the way of progress, progressing. We cannot progress like this. We no, just, we can't. We, we can't progress like this. No, we need we need an erudite and articulate leader. It's actually seen as a virtue of Democrats, whereas you would see people disparage President Obama for being almost too erudite and too articulate. Yeah, too erudite and too articulate. Let's go back in time and and look listen to the erudite and articulate Barack Obama, shall we? They end up taking up a hospital bed. It costs when if you they just gave you gave them treatment early, and they got some treatment. And a, a breathalyzer or an inhalator on this Memorial Day, as our nation honors its unbroken line of fallen heroes, and I see many of them in, in the audience here today. Uh. Erudite and articulate. That's what he was. It's Radio Free Almond. Christy Nichols on the way. From the Discovery Design Studios, DiscoveryDesignInc.com. I was asked actually to do, and thank you, Rick Pogue, for that. I was actually asked to do the phone greeting for Arrowhead Building Supply. It's a big, that's a big job. Yeah, it is a big job. So I got to record like the phone, like when you call Arrowhead Building Supply, mm-hmm. I'm going to record. The greeting. The greeting. Yeah. Never done that before. I have. Good morning this morning will be my first line. On. I don't know. I'm going to have to practice that. <laughs> Can't you say, uh, hello, you bunch of drunks? Thank you for calling <laughs> Good morning, you bunch <laughs> of drunks. I, that's one of the things we're going to be doing, by the way, with the retooling of Radio Free Almond 2.0. Going to have kind of a new studio built. Going to have phone lines you know, by the end of the summer. Work on some of that while I'm gone. I'm gone next week. I'm gone for a week and three days. Going to be over in Italy. And so the Radio Free Almond will be dark. I will be doing, though, Facebook Lives from Italy if I can manage it as wow. much as I can. I got to figure out the timing on that. So mm-hmm. like, like, it'd be like a 1 o'clock in the afternoon or something when I would do that. Yeah. Um, what is the time difference? Eight hours is it, is it, is it or six, six hours? I thought it, mm, I don't know. I don't know. I most of my uh, family 
everybody's going over on Wednesday, and I'm going by myself on Saturday. And it's only because even before everything happened, I really didn't feel like I could take that much time off. Uh, and it would be a matter of like three weeks or something. And I couldn't really take that much time off. And especially since I'm starting Radio Free Almond, I didn't want to have – I want to at least th- – through the week. Right. So I'm going to be taking oh, – so I'm meeting everybody in Florence on Saturday or Sunday or whatever. Wow. I don't know how that all works, but I'm meeting them over there. I'm going to have some wine over there too. And I'll see what kind of bourbon selection they have in beautiful Italy because uh, I'm kind of a – whiskey guy too and i'll have to ask my buddy mike marino and shannon about all that because at santino's cigars and cocktails right there beautiful vogel road in arnold they are a brand new sponsor of the show and so they basically have for instance the uh weller antique 107 bourbon it's called the poor man's pappy van winkle and they have your bottle. That's the tagline for Santino Cigars and Cocktails there on Vogel Road in beautiful Arnold. Hanging out there, man, I got to tell you, it's a, it looks – you're going to see it. It's a strip mall, but then you open the door and it's like being at a speakeasy because it's deep. The lighting is beautiful. The decor is outstanding. And the ventilation is perfect, so you can smoke cigars all you want. That's why they have a lot of uh, couples there and everything else. It's not your granddad's cigar bar. Definitely have everything from just the rarest of bourbons and whiskeys to the typical basic kind of gins and vodkas and whiskeys. And you're going to see people drinking a PBR or a craft beer or drinking a $300 shot of Pappy Van Winkle, whatever you're going to see. There's something for everybody. And they have these premium selections of cigars, the best in town, temperature and humidity controlled all around, and the filtration system, which is uh, huge for Mike and Shannon, they invested a lot of money in this thing. So you go in there and you'll never know people are smoking cigars. Not that you mind necessarily, but it's a great place to hang out for uh, anniversaries, for weddings. They've got gifts for you for those as well. Right there at Richardson and Highway 55. So it's really easy to get to. And all you have to do is go to SantinoCigars.com. Mike and Shannon are going to be in uh, on Wednesday, so we'll talk more about that. But it's not your stuffy. You go to cigar bars at all? Have you ever been there, you and Paul? Oh yeah. And, and and well, typically they're like these. They they remind you of velvet mahogany, and it's kind of like weird, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. This one, Santino's, is really something special. So you're gonna love. Everything that uh, they have to offer, and it's a great place to hang out. And I'm going to be there sometime this week. We'll uh, we'll figure it out. But they're going to be in on Wednesday. Uh, Mike and Shannon, SantinoCigars.com. Christy Nichols, hi. Hi, Jamie. How Thank are you? So you? I'm doing great. I'm going to get you great. closer to that microphone. You can speak right into okay. that thing. There this you go. Good. Have you been? To, uh, do you go to cigar bars? I don't. Dear. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. never, never. You don't rem- yeah. Cigars, no. You should try it some time. No, no. I don't think that would work for me. <laughs> okay. I plan on living a long time. You're a, okay, I got you. Well, <laughs> we all good? do too, you know. I know, I know. But yeah, this is not up my alley. But thank you for the offer. I'm sure Santino's, I'm sure they have like a vitamin cigar for you that'll just replenish it. B12 they might, cigar. You know, something what's like that. great about our country and our lives is that we all we all make our own choices. Right so on. That's great. Well, in yeah. fact, Mike and Shannon, they're in this moment where they are uh, they're fighting this 
desire in St. Charles County to ban smoking altogether, which is a ridiculous thing. If if you don't like smoke in a place, don't go there. That's right. the, the, you don't have the right to be in a smoke-free environment as far as I'm concerned. So they're fight that's part of the thing because mm-hmm. that's that's keeping Santinos from from setting up shop right. in St. Charles County. If if that thing is defeated, folks, you're going to have a Santino cigar and cocktails right there in St. Charles County, and and you can bank on it. So, Christy Nichols, great to see you. Last time I saw you, we were at the at it was May 11th. The debate. It was at the debate. Debate, and we've had another U.S. Senate candidate debate that was hosted by the uh, Locke and Smith Foundation, and so I won that. They actually gave us questions about the Constitution. Wow, that were written questions that were timed. I was the only candidate that could answer those questions. So uh, it's it's been an amazing journey of this candidacy. And what we're seeing right now is Missourians, they're giving the same pushback that Americans did at the, na- the national level when we elected President Trump, because yeah. they are rejecting the establishment candidate. And so they, I believe with all my heart that we're going to have, I want everyone to vote for me on August the 7th. Uh, August the 7th. You know, I ran for U.S. Senate in 2016. And I ran against the incumbent, Roy Blunt, and I had over 134,000 Missourians that voted for me with over 20% of the vote. I did that with less than $5,000. So there's a, real, there's a real difference between a candidate that has run before, a grassroots candidate that has over 134,000 Missourians, not just a few thousand people nationwide following them on Twitter or Facebook. These are Missourians. This is a movement that Donald Trump started, and I believe that it was years of of uh, Tea Party groups and people just really understanding that our founding fathers gave we the people the power to choose their elected representatives. And this is a movement that now we're taking to the states because Donald Trump needs help with his agenda, his America First agenda. And he needs people that are going to stand with him, not stand behind and dismantle his agenda. I am that person. I've been all over the state of Missouri to Republican events, to candidate uh, debates. There's been over 60 Republican events and three U.S. Senate candidate debates. Uh, Mr. Hawley has attended one of those. He's always too busy. He can't come out to meet the people. And this is what this is what a public servant is. They serve the people. They're there to serve the people. And Missourians know that. Americans knew that in 2016. So this is a great movement because the people, everywhere I go, people are saying, you know, we want someone that understands us, that understands what is needed for Missouri. You're that person. I'm winning, you know. Uh, I am winning. We're winning with the people. We're winning with the ground, going door to door, uh, going to the events. It's about serving the people. And, you know, Jamie, I pastored in the inner city. I heard your... um, your segment prior with regard to the black community. In essence, I pastored a black church. Uh, There were two or three white people there. And it's amazing, the black community, that they understand that the roots of their heritage, uh, that primarily the people that served in government were all Republicans. They were conservatives. What has happened is the Democrats have come in and they've offered them Free everything. It's it's just like being on a different plantation. 
And they know that. Uh, but the message is so hard, just like you were talking about Detroit. We have evidence that when the liberals come in and the Democrats come in, they ruin the city. They destroy the city. You've got a prosperous city. We're seeing that in Kansas City. You're seeing it in St. Louis. They pass out all of these freebies, get people to vote for them, and basically get them addicted to government subsidies and they destroy and dismantle the city. Right. And it's and, not too late. It's yeah. not too late to, to bring it back again. And that's what we're doing with America. That's what we're doing with Missouri. Make Missouri great again. Well, President Trump, uh, that's why it was amazing. And this was not given a lot of attention. But when President Trump went to Detroit, uh, Ben Carson was the one who hosted him there. And the purpose was to discuss the resurgence or the desire to, to bring back the community bank which, uh, by the way, the loss of that has resulted in not only blacks but also white small business owners as well to not have options when it comes to meeting payroll, buying equipment, those kinds of things. But the community bank is essential to the uh, economic livelihoods of many people in the inner city because uh, they can get loans. Once, once, you have, once you have the major, the, the banks that were uh, uh, too big to fail, right, the, but then the, right. you had the ones that were too small to survive. Community. It cuts sure. off the community. And President Trump, of all Republicans I've ever seen, and certainly of any Democrats, understood one thing that was clear, and that is that black people's needs are no different than the needs of white people. Right, we're people, we're people. Everybody wants to pursue that American dream. Yes, Everyone, and they have the opportunity to do that. Exactly. And that's what we need to see, and we need to see, like you were talking about the community banks, the federal government is the last place that we want people uh, receiving, making decisions for us. We want them to keep them in the state and the local level because that's the closest to the people. We want individuals to make their own decisions. We don't want the federal government making decisions for the people. So this is, you know, uh, in God we trust, one nation under God. And we need to, what a U.S. senator needs to do in representing their state is to make sure that we have, we're increasing jobs. What I want to do is set up a website and have uh, different congressional districts. We're going to continue to deregulate. So I want input from businesses. What regulations, what federal regulations are holding them up from expanding their business, from hiring new people? Uh, we can do this. It's all about getting the people together and doing what's right for Missouri. But we've got to continue. I'm a big, strong proponent of the fair tax. I don't know. Are you familiar with the fair yeah, tax? Yeah. And that's, that's powerful. What President President Trump has done in lowering our taxes, I believe we need to take it to the next level because what the fair tax does is it takes, uh, you know, it gives the power back to the people. People take home their own paycheck. There's no payroll taxes. There's no FICA taxes. They take home their own pre uh, uh, paycheck. It also gives them a prebate uh, for citizens, legal citizens for food, clothing, and shelter. And then the taxes are part of a consumption tax right. that are already in our new goods and services, but it would be transparent on your receipts now. And the same amount of money would go to the federal government, but you would see that. It would be transparent on the new goods and services that you buy, but also it takes it takes the power away. We would be able to eliminate the IRS. We, would, we wouldn't, uh, a lot of people have had problems with the IRS. They've become a real government stronghold, an unconstitutional entity as far as I'm concerned, but we would be able to eliminate the IRS and return more liberties and power back to the people. And see, when we hold the federal government accountable in these types of 
innovative programs that economists have studied and proven, we have to be able to get that legislation through and we have to be able to get outsiders in and dismantle the machine that wants to get only the establishment people in and keep the machine going, keep taking liberties and power away from the people. This is a real cleanup job and, and it starts with Missouri and I believe that we're going to be the show me state and get this done I on like August the, the 7th. Yeah, I like the idea of the, of the fair tax and I was trying to figure out like why is the fair tax superior to a flat tax? The fair tax is superior to the flat tax because it gives, like I said, we're trying to dismantle and discourage illegals from coming into our country. So it gives the prebate back to legal citizens for food, clothing, and shelter. And it also causes people that are in our country maybe illegally, uh, tourists, of course, uh, people running underground businesses, those people don't pay any taxes. So instead of 50% of the people burden it, carrying the burden for taxes, now we have other people that are now contributing that are in this nation. And like I said, I'm doing, I am really a proponent of stopping illegal immigration. And whenever we can cut people off from those avenues of receiving benefits from being in America when they're here illegally, I'm all for that. Yeah, it seems like that would be, uh, we've talked to a number of people about that who are candidates about about how you have a thing would it's either self deportation or it's not encouraging them to come here to begin with and that's what that's what building the wall is all about um, Israel built a very strong wall <laughs> and we're a sovereign nation in the United States so we have a right to protect our borders we have a right to be a sovereign nation. Um, Gia said, you know, talking about diversity, I'm, you know, I'm all for that and equality, but we have to protect our nation and we have to vet people that are coming into this nation. You know, my great, great grandparents came from Poland before the Holocaust and they decided to come to America because they wanted to be Americans. They're not trying to set up some other kind of establishment and kingdom within America. They wanted to become Americans. And that's very important because we need to have people that are interested. I mean, you can, be interested in the American dream, but you need to be interested in the nation that you're living in. And I always have a problem with people that love to take the benefits of this country and then have disparaging remarks to say about this country. And I say, if you don't like this country, if you don't want to live here, if you're not proud to be an American, then go somewhere else. Uh, I would totally agree, and and stop climbing the Statue of Liberty, uh, yeah. and, and keeping other Americans and we from need appreciating to enforce our it. laws. This is a country of laws. So if there's laws, uh, there are laws on the books about illegal immigration. There's laws about protesting, uh, climbing the Statue of Liberty. This person is a lawbreaker, and this person was an illegal anyway. So she's already a lawbreaker. So now we have, and I believe that people uh, need the the exact enforcement of the the law. And that's what teaches people and discourages them from breaking the law. That's why the laws are there. And so we are a nation of laws and we need to enforce those uh, immigration laws that are on the books, all the laws that are in the books. We had several presidents in the past, three presidents, that deported millions of illegals. So this is nothing new. And so the left's mantra, uh, you know, what is President Trump doing and separating families? You know, the reason they were separating families is because people were using children uh, kind of like they used to use mules for drug running. And they were presenting a family, this is my family 
family, and those children weren't related to them at all. So it's really good that they were actually separated because if they're not related to those parents, we don't know what kind of situation is there sexual abuse, uh, all kinds of things that could be going on. So we're enforcing our laws, and uh, and you know, kudos to President Trump because he's doing an excellent job. And this is not a litmus test, but were you always a Trump supporter, or yes, oh, you I was were an from original, the very beginning, original Trump supporter from the very beginning. Um, and Wait, is I, that a Trump water there? This is a Trump water. I got this at the Trump Hotel um, in Washington <laughs> I when I was it. there for a, a Republican women's event. Yeah. I'm an original Trump supporter. Um, I have prayed for him. I knew that God called him uh, because we needed a turn in this nation. So he actually asked, asked to meet with me in 2016 when I was running for U.S. Senate. I wasn't hand-carried to him um, with talking points by the establishment. Uh, Roy Blunt would never <laughs> promote me to President Trump. Uh, but thank God, uh, he asked to meet me, and I had about two minutes with him. And we were told, there were 12 of us, Jamie, at that time that were meeting with him. He asked people, police officers, different things to meet with him. Uh, he was meeting with me because I was running for U.S. Senate. I really felt that it was important. I really felt that God moved on my heart to tell him that thousands of people were praying for him, that God had chosen him for this exact time. And he grabbed my hand so tight and he said, keep praying for me, keep praying for me. I need those prayers. And then he said to me, he said, aren't you running for U.S. Senate? And I said, I am, I am. And he said, well, you're like a little me. He said, you win. And he had me say it three times. At first, it started out very faint, but it got stronger. He's a very powerful, inspiring person. Um, And I said that I would, and that's what I'm doing for Missourians. I am representing we the people. The only way that we can beat Claire is that the people come out uh, and vote for an outsider candidate, not the establishment candidate, that is actually willing to serve them as a U.S. senator, and that's me. Uh, how you know? I, I've been fascinated by this because Cortland. I was over at his barbecue on Saturday, sure. and I went to Kansas City when Tony had uh, Sarah Palin in, and right. I'm going to see Peter Pfeiffer on Wednesday. We don't, we don't pay for endorsements. I know. <laughs> I guess candidacy it. doesn't pay for endorsements. Well, I'm endorsed by the Missouri Republican Assembly. I didn't pay for that. Endorsement. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. but but what I'm what I'm, tra- <laughs> what I'm getting at is though that that it seems like no one. The, 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 the news media in general doesn't pay any attention to you guys. Like, for instance, you're in town today. Well, are you, how many people are going to are who who's going to talk to you I'm today? Meeting. That's a really good question. I'm meeting with some Republican leaders uh, that asked to meet with right. me, and that's that's different. Nobody asked to meet with me in 2016. They were very um, cold to me, and that that's okay because this is a this is a competition. And so, and then I'm going to speak to a, a women's group, an FRW women's group later on. But I have, Jamie, what's really important is that I have lots of volunteer supporters that are going door to door, knocking on doors. Uh, of course, we're having events in all kinds of cities. The people that voted for Trump are going to be the people that voted for me. The people that voted for Greitens are going to be the people that voted for me. These are people that the establishment is not paying attention to. Yeah. They're paying attention to, let's have a big, uh, a big group, and, and even Mr. Hawley can't even get you know 10 or 12 people to come up and show up for him for a photo op. But these are the people, the working Americans, that know that there's something wrong with Missouri. They know that we haven't been served as far as having leadership. They know that there are people out there like myself, and there's 
other candidates too, but like I said, I'm the only candidate that's run before that has proven results in Missouri. I'm also a very wise steward of the people's money. We don't we don't spend money on you know like I said paid endorsements or automobiles or things like that. We spend money on on signage, meeting the people, going door to door. Uh, my volunteers are a wonderful volunteer army that are volunteering because they know this movement is powerful and that we can win. What I was also getting at though is I I, I and maybe maybe it's not important to you guys and and I appreciate that because really what you're doing is you're going right to the people. Going to the people. You don't need the media to kind of launder your message. But at the same time though, as much as there's an establishment as it relates to the party, it seems to me there's an establishment as it relates to the media. And what my question to you was though is Christy Nichols being interviewed by anybody? Yes, I was but- just on KCMO uh, in Kansas City yesterday, and we had wonderful, I don't know if you have this opportunity too, but for people to call in and ask me questions. Yeah. We had veterans call in and people that called in because it's important that they understand where I'm at on the issues and that I'm for them. My website, christynichols.com, tells a lot about where I stand on the issues. But also, it's important, you know, part of understanding the candidate and if they're actually going to represent you is talking with them and meeting with them. And that's why our campaign, We the People, it's about the people, uh, you know, is so important that they understand this is about serving the people and that I want to serve them. I've done that in the community as an inner city pastor for over 19 years. Um, I'm also a family and marriage counselor, and I volunteer uh, with uh, breast cancer patients and survivors and low-income people. Giving back to the community, I have a history and a record of giving back to the community. I started this, Jamie, when I was eight years old. Um, You may remember, Gia, there was a a movement called Walk for Mankind. That was about the environment before all the climate people, and I don't believe in climate change, but it was about giving back to the environment and taking care of the environment. That's always been my heart. So yeah. that's, I've always done that. It's just been in me, in my uh, DNA. And, and I'm listening. I, I just, I just am <laughs> trying to, when you mentioned, when you mentioned, uh, when you mentioned, uh, people wanting to ask you yes. questions. Uh, we, we our broadcast was interrupted here, but and, and if you guys have any questions, go ahead yes, and pop we'll, them on I the Facebook love to page. Take questions if you want to for Christy Nichols, and it's christynichols.com, correct? Christy Did you- Nichols, K R I S T I N I C H O L S. All right, com. there's many ways to spell Christy. Yeah, right. <laughs> we're just having a little bit of an issue with a, some of our. Uh, we're back. Now, now we're back. Good, perfect. So. Uh, the issue uh, as it relates to taxation, I realize the fair tax is one option, uh, but in terms of what's been going on, like for instance with this omnibus spending bill, we did have the tax cut package. We did have the the uh, cuts for the corporate taxes and for individuals. How would you have voted regarding the omnibus spending bill that President Trump did sign and did a lot of people say it. that's he the only thing they didn't like he never do that again. I was in Washington, Jamie, at the time with my uh, Federated Republican Women's Group and we had several senators and representatives come talk to us and they told us time and time again, I have to hold my nose uh, to vote for this bill. Uh, we probably had 80% of them that came in. We had 150 women that were there and they said, you know, this funds the military, all of these arguments. And I knew in my heart that it was wrong. You know, the omnibus spending bill, the Constitution requires that Congress uh, pass a budget every year, which they've been going on these omnibus spending bills. And the last two people that came in were from the Freedom Caucus. And they said, you know, all these people have come in, but we're going to actually tell you the truth. He said, we are going down a path. He goes, we don't have any arguments uh, against the liberals passing this 2,000-page 
spending bill when we've had less than 24 hours to read it. He goes, we are spending like drunken sailors, to quote Ronald Reagan. He said, and this is not the way. This is not the way to do it. I'm not voting for this bill. He goes, we shouldn't vote for this bill. He goes, we can do things right. We can cut spending. We can get on the road to balancing this budget. And then another uh, congressman came in and backed him up from the Freedom Caucus. And what was great is that I saw these ladies that had listened to over 80% of these people. I have to hold my nose. We're going to vote for this. It funds the military. And they were all clapping. But when these two people, the remnant, only two people, came in and they told the truth, these women all changed. They were now realized that they had been lied to for all of these hours, listening to all of this testimony and all this pomp and circumstance. But when they actually heard the truth, they got on board with it. And they were angry. They knew that this omnibus spending bill was wrong. And they were angry for all of these people that had come in for their photo opportunities um, and to smile and laugh um, and just smoke and mirrors. But the two people that came at the end told the truth and said this should not be passed. And I was very proud of President Trump that he came out afterwards saying that he would never do this again. And Congress needs to do their job. They need to cut spending and they need to come up with a spending bill, which I will be part of that, that we balance this budget and we start cutting government waste. We've got lots of land um, that can be sold that the government should have never owned in the first place. We've got federal buildings that are unoccupied that we can uh, we can sell those off. And we've got a duplicity of federal jobs that are overlapping, that are con- costing the American taxpayers millions of dollars. There are ways to do this, but we have to have interested people that are outsiders, that are not part of the establishment machine, that are actually interested in doing this. I am that person. Maybe we ought to have a just basically when when you hear the term uh, non-essential employees. Yes. That, that'll tell you everything you need to right. know about uh, whether or not those people are needed or not needed. And unless you're an essential employee, this was part of the, let's make know, it snow and see right. what happens. You know what's interesting? When people say, oh, we're going to shut the government down. We're going to shut the government down and people get in fear. Well, I think the best thing is when you shut the government down and you're only operating on essential employees, it shows the people just how much waste mm-hmm. is going on in the federal government. And there's nothing to fear. Things that are necessary are going to be funded. But I think that it's a real wake-up call to Americans, to Missourians, to know we have so much spending and so much waste that's going on with the federal government. And it's time to get a reality check because we can't go, like these other two congressmen said before the omnibus spending bill passed, we can't go down the path of Venezuela and Greece that we're just spending, and this is unsustainable, what we're doing. Well, and and I think, too, when it comes time to figure out where we're going to cut, you you can't – and we've learned this before. You can't have tax cuts if you don't have spending cuts because that that doesn't work. Because first of all – and I'm not saying that you're taking money from the government. I'm not one of those individuals when you have taxes. I I can't stand it when I hear people say, well, that's going to cost the government this much money, this much money. It's not – The people are the government. Taxpayers are the government, and that's what's so important because when you start cutting unnecessary programs and you start finding out how much waste is actually in the federal government, and think about this, Jamie. When someone has a regular job, let's say they make $60,000 a year, they find out that their pay is being cut. Maybe it's being cut to $50,000 a year. They tighten up. They don't go, oh, we're going to increase this 2 or 3%. We're going to increase our living and our, and our vacations and all of that. They start cutting back. That's the same thing that needs to happen with the federal government. It's like we are tight and we have spent too much money 
and it's time to cut back. It's time to get real. You don't just keep on increasing every two or three percent. You start looking for ways to cut back. And like I said, once again, you have to have interested people that are interested in actually serving the people that understand. Like I said, when I got over 134,000 votes with over 20 percent of the vote, doing that with less than five thousand dollars, I'll give you a marker. There was an establishment candidate that ran for governor. We got the same amount of votes, same percentage. He's an establishment career politician. 2.5 million dollars. Isn't there a huge difference between five thousand dollars, same amount of votes, same percentage, and 2.5 million dollars? So I am a person that is interested in protecting the people, in serving them, and using their dollars wisely. Why the establishment and the career politicians, they just keep spending and spending and spending because it's like a third-party purchase. You don't care about the quality, and you don't care about the cost because you're not paying the bill. But if you go back to a first-party purchase that you, the person, the taxpayer, is actually paying those bills, you care about the quality and you care about the price. This is what we need to get back to. What percentage of the votes did you get in the primary with Blunt? Over 20% of the vote. Okay. That is double digits against the incumbent. That's very interesting because I was trying to tell people, because there was somebody who was on earlier who said that there needs to be uh, a, a Paul. Uh, and Paul, thanks for uh, listening and thanks for watching the uh, Facebook page. But Paul said there needs to be some kind of pre-primary because we have too many candidates and it means that Hawley will win. No, I tried to tell people earlier and I told Cortland <laughs> the same thing. I said, I said uh, this, this race can be won with possibly 18% of it the vote. It can. It can. And, you know, that's amazing that you brought that up, Jamie, because my friend David Barton, who is a he's a pastor and he's also a historian, he put out an amazing article about how primaries are so important because actually it takes less percentage. It doesn't matter that we have 11 candidates. There's only everyone. There's only four people, three or four people that are actually out there. I don't know who these other people are, but people, the establishment tries to say there's 11 candidates. Well, we've got three or four that, four that are actually out there meeting the people. Uh, I, I discount the attorney general because he's not even out there and people are angry with him. So don't really see him. So we've got great, good uh, non-establishment candidates that are running. It takes a smaller percentage. That's why it's so important. They were saying that primary turnouts are very usually very low. They were thinking about in the 20%. Well, it's turning out that they're expecting over 35%, oh, yeah. and I'm believing more, more. Because people are rallied. They are determined. Missourians are determined that they're not going to let the machine take their vote and their voice away, especially with the ruling that came uh, last week, which was very interesting. And I had no idea when I ran in 2010 that they did this also. But they are afraid. They're afraid of the people. And I'm glad because this is exactly what our founding fathers intended, that the people are the ones that choose their elected representatives. And so the people are taking the power back in Missouri. And I believe that once we do this, once we have this state uh, in Missouri, the other states will follow along. And and that is what the machine is greatly afraid of. So then passing this rule that the RNC can now fund Hawley's yeah. campaign because they're afraid they're going to lose. You know what they're afraid of? And everybody listen up and share this. They are afraid of you, the people. The people have the power. We have the power to defeat Claire on August 7th and also, at, you know, November the 6th. But it's you, you, the people. And tell your friends, get everyone showing up. And everyone has their candidate. Of course, I want people to vote for 
me because I believe that I can defeat her uh, in the general and go to Washington and represent the people. But it's the people that have the power. And this is a movement. This is a movement that the establishment is trying to figure out. And in the past, they've always been able to throw money at it. But me as a candidate, they can't stop me because they can't figure out what I'm doing. And what I'm doing is assembling a great and mighty army of volunteers that understand that this time is critical. I believe that we have a small window of opportunity to make this right. This is the time, now more than ever, this is the election in 2018 to overturn the establishment, just like we did on the national level, by rejecting the establishment. Who Can you imagine if we would have had Jeb Bush... Jeb Bush? Oh, yeah, no. No, He would have lost. So it's the same with Hawley. You know, he's been recruited. He's been bought and and sold out to the establishment. There is no way he is going to serve Missourians and serve and stand with President Trump. I will be that person. Yeah, Yeah. people need to get out of their heads that somehow the the fact that there are other candidates besides Hawley means that he automatically runs away with it because everybody cannibalizes each other. It won't happen because of the power of the people. It won't happen. It doesn't doesn't make it – Really, honestly, the the math. Uh, the math you just, doesn't you just add doing up. The math. No, it doesn't add up. But see, it's the establishment mantra to try to put the people in fear by saying we can't win unless you choose our candidate. That argument doesn't hold water. Yeah. Jeb Bush, I can't imagine. I, I'm so thankful that we have President Trump because he's turning this nation around, uh, making record history uh, in setting the course of our nation right. And see, the establishment. He's proving and dispelling every lie that they've been telling the people for years that you need to have our person. We know what's right for you. How is that different than slavery? No, it's not. I mean, it's abuse. And so this is why the founding fathers said that we the people have the power and they entrusted them with the power to choose their elected representatives. And, you know, I want to give a quote. Thomas Jefferson said, you know, uh, there'll be coming a day that the government will be corrupt and it will be full of liars and people will flock to the person who tells the truth. I am that person. I tell the people the truth. I tell them the truth on the issues. I tell them the truth about the establishment. I tell them where we are. We are winning and it takes all of the people to come together in Missouri on August the 7th so that we can make Missouri great again. All right. So a lot of people on Facebook wanted to know about your views regarding the VA uh, and what you would do with the yeah, VA I am a strong supporter of the uh, the U.S. military. My dad was Army. I served on a special service assignment with the Air Force um, as a chaplain during Operation Iraqi Freedom. We need to President Trump is uh, passed an executive order I think that it was about a month ago to to make sure in 21 days if we had people that were serving at the VA that were either incompetent or negligent in their job, that instead of taking years to remove them from service and appeals while they're still getting their salary, that there would be 21 days that there would be a decision. I'm all for that. I think people that are not doing their job, that are incompetent, that have been uh, abusing and using people for years and not serving according to the job in the private sector, I liken things to the private sector because if you would do these things in the private sector, you would be fired immediately. Yes. So that's what we need to implement. Uh, you know, at the VA, I want veterans to have quality health care. I believe that if they can't get the health care in a timely manner, that uh, they should be able to go to a private institution, private hospital to do that. And I want them to have benefits uh, that reflect 
and honor them for the service that they've given to our country. I thought the president at one point had the idea of the uh, the omnipresent card that you could use uh, as a veteran. So you could get care anywhere okay. with the card okay. as opposed to just having to go to a VA hospital. Now, I will say, and Ben Murphy's on here, and, and, and he said the VA in St. Louis deserves high praise, and I would agree. The VA okay. in St. Louis, Good. above... Many other when you compare them to many others, it's it's a pretty good, or, or well organized. Yeah, machine. So we have people. Yeah, everybody's got complaints though. But but about that card though, I thought that was a perfect idea that he'd have that a veteran would have a, that a sounds card. Like a good idea. And see, this takes someone that is an out of the box thinker uh, like President Trump and people like myself and people that are coming in running for office. Is that? If the old way doesn't work and it's broken, we have to come up with a new way that's cost-efficient but with the quality that remains to serve the people that maybe hasn't been thought of before. And people say, well, they've told President Trump time and time again, this won't work, this won't work. We've seen that he's been right time and time again. His leadership uh, is impeccable. And so, yes, when we get people that are like-minded thinkers that will come together, that come up with solutions instead of just kicking the can down the road, we need to kind of come up with real solutions for our veterans. And that card sounds like it would be a good uh, No solution. doubt. I mean, mm-hmm. at least at least people who are who are thinking. Now, do you have somebody who you hope President Trump picks today mm. for the U.S. Supreme Court? Because today's, today. today's, today's the day. Today's the day. Today's the day. Um, you know, I would be for – there are so many wonderful picks. I, I – I believe that we could use a conservative women, woman, so I am for Amy. Uh, I would be for Justice Jeanine Pirro also. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think that he's got so many good choices, but it's really my prayer that we get someone that is a strong constitutional conservative that has a record. We, we see that people talk about the Constitution all of the time, but we need to delve into these people's records about actually knowing the Constitution and standing up for what it says and what it means. Because uh, also I want to put this plug in right now. You know, the Supreme Court does not make law. They give opinions. They give rulings. And even on their website, I think they say something. They're the last place, you know, for for the law. Uh, They've been wrong so many times. They were wrong in the Dred Scott decision. It takes over 70 years sometimes for the Supreme Court to realize that they're wrong Mm -hmm. in these rulings. We don't have that opportunity with Roe versus Wade. So it's my hope um, and my prayer that we get a strong constitutional conservative that understands the Constitution and I hope that we can overthrow Roe versus Wade. Well, and there are a lot of people who were worried about it because that's kind of the thing that the Democrats are going to use since they have almost nothing else to, to run on. They don't win on any of the issues. Um, you know, they stand for a lot of socially destructive issues that uh, that are disparaging to Americans. And it's, you know, it's almost like what we talked about before. They have this idea of what America should be like, and their version of America is where an elite class tells the rest of the majority uh, what they should be doing because somehow they know better and they know what we should be thinking. Uh, I did, Jamie. I spent over eight years in China uh, working with the underground church. I know what communism is all about, and I see these things on the fringe of trying to implement these programs and of course, the government doesn't want intelligent 
critical thinkers because those are the people that they can't control, right? They just want people that are going to, what, pay their taxes and keep voting for them. Uh, you know, that that is not the American way. That is not the idea of the founding fathers. So we are individuals uh, that are created uh, by our creator, by God, with for life, liberty, and, and pursuit of happiness, which is property. So their ideas of making this nation into something it was never meant to be, like I said, take it somewhere else, sell it somewhere else, go live somewhere else. If you don't like this nation and the principles and the foundations and the values that it was built upon, that our constitution, we have the longest running constitution over 242 years. Other countries sometimes make constitutions every three or four years. They have to redo their constitution. There is a reason for this because it was built on a strong biblical uh, foundation of protecting the individual's rights and liberty, their God-given rights and liberty. And so the Democrats have no good ideas. Uh, They are imploding within themselves. They keep trying to think of something where they can win on, and they're losing at every corner. What was the underground church? What were you doing over there? Six uh, years in China? Eight, eight years, eight years actually old. working with the underground church. They have, they are not allowed to worship openly. Uh, so they have these underground churches, and a lot of them are house churches. Uh, you know, it's really interesting, Jamie, is that they, like you and I could have a talk, we're meeting at church down the corner. It's so oppressed there, and because it's not allowed, they literally have to pray. You know, who's infiltrators, who's coming in, who's really not, you know, uh, for believing and them studying the Word. It's uh, They have to operate in great faith, and so to have Bibles uh, there, they confiscate Bibles, families inform on one another. It is a you know, it is a real walk of faith. And remember, these are disarmed people. At the same time, uh, they, they don't have weapons. If the government decides that they don't like what they're doing, um, you know, they, they commission them to retraining camp. And then that's, that's really the death sentence yeah. there. They go to the retraining camp, and then years, you know, a couple months later, they find out that they had their own trial, an unjust trial, and then they send the family the bill for the bullets that they killed their loved one with right. and make them pay, and they have no other choice. So I've seen, uh, boy, I've seen and I've worked with uh, these churches for a number of years, and I tell you... Anyone that thinks that communism or socialism is the way to go, you should go spend several years uh, in China or in a communist country to really find out what the truth is, not the lie that the liberals tell and the left and the people that want to put us under this system, but what it actually, what the truth is. And I found this out, Jamie. I started a tea party in God We Trust uh, in 2008, and we had a lot of young people that were coming to the tea party. And of course, in God We Trust is our national motto, but I'm also a very strong person of faith. It's proclaiming a vision that this found the nation was built upon. So I had a lot of young people that say, why do we pray before the meeting? Why, why do we do the Pledge of Allegiance? Why are you so religious? And I said, our foundation's like, here's the copy of the Constitution, dear. I said, I don't know what you've been taught in your schools. I do understand now what they've been taught in the schools, but just talking to these young people, I said, you need to know the truth of our founding fathers, that they did honor God They did honor individual rights. They did honor personal liberties, and that's what this foundation was built upon. And it's so important that you know the truth. What you've been taught in school has been wrong, and we need to go back to schools, public school systems that are places of learning Mm -hmm. uh, instead of places of indoctrination. Do you have kids? I don't. You don't have kids? Okay. Where are you from? 
Independence. I mean, actually, oh, I live. Yeah, I actually live uh, lived in Kansas City for 28 years. We uh-huh. moved. My husband and I. We've been married for 29 years. I've actually lived in Missouri for 44 years. Wow. <laughs> I'm not one of these people that just showed up and decided to run for U.S. Senate. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we lived in Kansas City, which you're talking about problems that you have in St. Louis, and we've seen a lot of uh, liberals come into government, local government in Kansas City, and we're dealing with that. But we're in independence now. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, christynichols.com is uh, where you're going to find her. And best of luck today. And to my question earlier, though, I still – it's frustrating to me that – and again, you all don't depend on the news media, and and that – I understand that. But it is so weird how – the mainstream media doesn't talk to these people. I, I, I don't think. See, I've ever- when you when you've been in communist countries and you understand what the media is doing about their mantra and what they want to show the people and trying to tell them how to think. And I even find it interesting that I find conservatives that continually watch uh, liberal shows and things like that. That even their even their thinking is skewed because they start parroting. Uh, the media mantra, and that's not the truth because it's so easy. It's not easy to go and dig for the truth and find out what actually is true and what is fake news. But it's you know if you just want to uh, holler off a couple of sound bites and say, oh yeah, this is what Trump is doing. You know, uh, people misunderstand Donald Trump a lot because they don't dig for the truth. But when they actually find out what he's doing, how their paychecks have increased, yeah. how how black unemployment. Because like I said, I pastored a black church for over 19 years and worked in the jail systems uh, and all of that. And we, call, I just want to say, we call. I'm never called a Caucasian. I'm always called white. You know, so I pastored a black church. There's nothing. Actually, the black people group would rather be called black people than African Americans. Oh, yeah, so I mean, anyway, I'm just going to say that it's, for it's, your it's, show. It, uh, that's true. <laughs> All right. Speaking of that, though, somebody was curious about uh, your comments about the Dred Scott case. They want to know wh- how that was how that was wrong. The Dred Scott case uh, ruled that people, black individuals, were not people. And that is not, I mean, you can look, I mean, it only takes common sense. And that's why sometimes the judicial gets so off. Common sense is I can look at you and I can tell that you're a person. I can tell the difference from you from a dog, yes. you know, and just because you're white or you're brown or you're black or you're yellow, um, I can tell the difference between humans and animals. So to rule that black people, and they did the same thing with the Jews. Uh, this comes out, you know, trying to tell people. They do know, the same thing with babies. They do. Well, yes, they do. They and dehumanize so they them. They dehumanize them because they want to accomplish their agenda. And what is that agenda? It's about killing off the future generations. Um, it's about population control. Um, in my opinion, it's about ungodliness. So, uh, you know, they had to reverse that, that black people are human beings and they are real people and they should get the same amount, you know, of benefits that each people, each person does. So that's what that's about. And this, you know, when you dig into Roe versus Wade and you find out all of the maneuvering and the lying that was done uh, to accomplish an agenda to present a false case, uh, then you find out, boy, we need to really have a revamp of our justice system. So like I said, you know, with the Dred Scott decision, some of these decisions take 70 years for them to reverse their decision. And we don't have time for that. I think our time is very short. And especially with Roe versus Wade, we can't afford, we've already killed 61 million babies. And this has to stop. Well, when you realize that we're one of four countries 
uh, and, and you just mentioned China, then you have North Korea, then you have Canada, and we're one of four countries that only four countries that allow the after fourteen weeks thing. That's pretty amazing, and that's well, that's and not a, a good within the states. And of course, the Constitution rank. says whatever is not. Uh, in the Constitution is left to the people and the states. Uh, the states have to pick this agenda up. And, you know, we have all kinds of technology now that proves that a baby in the womb is a baby, yeah. can feel pain, has a heartbeat, uh, and all of that. And a technology is going to increase. I go back to the Bible in Jeremiah 1 5. God says, I knew you before you were ever in your mother's womb. That surpasses everything. So if we know that this is a person, this is a person that has constitutional yeah. rights. You can't just kill a person. And there is a difference. I know these uh, you know, pet people and, and all of that. There's a difference between animals and people. Yeah, and no, if we go a, to yeah. such overwhelming links to preserve animal life, why can't we do this for human life? And, you know, they had that technology you're talking about. They had that back in 1973. They just didn't, they well, just didn't consult anybody regarding right. viability. It was you know all about... what's really interesting, Jamie, is that they find that women that are pregnant that do have an ultrasound and see the baby uh, moving they are less likely to have an abortion, and that should be a requirement. But I find it really interesting about Planned Parenthood that for years, this is just a tissue, this is a piece of tissue, what they said, they've got them all on tapes and uh, things like that. But then when they wanted to sell baby parts, all of a sudden, here's your brain, here's your, you know, here's your heart, and all of this is like, excuse me, how can this just be a piece of tissue when we have hearts and brains and, and all of these things? So uh, they make their argument to fit whatever their agenda right is. All but, right. Yes. ChristyNichols.com yes. is where you can find her. August 7th, for me. August 7th. I'm, I'm not, are those mints or whatever? Are those mints no, too these or no? Are, these, are, uh, these are called scripture mints. They're oh. little fish. They're very powerful. Do you want one? Oh, really? Yes. It has a I've, I've been looking at those this whole time. They're very strong. Scripture yeah. mints. Scripture mints. They're little fish, and they're very powerful. I had someone that grabbed a whole handful of them, um. and they threw them in their mouth, and I went, "Woohoo! better not do that. But yeah, they have, mm. there's a little scripture inside. Um, they're wonderful. Are these the kind, if you eat them and then you drink Coca-Cola, it explodes in your no, mouth or something? Okay. Th- that's mentos. Oh, mentos. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> right, there was a trick question. Just wanted to see if you knew that or not. Thank All right. you so much, Hey, Jamie. Christy. Thank you very much for coming in. Appreciate you as always. ChristyNichols.com. We're live from the Discovery Design Studio. DiscoveryDesignInc.com. Radio Free Almond. The moment I wake up, before I put on my makeup, I say a little prayer for you. Comb in my hair now And wondering what dress to wear now I say a little prayer for you Forever, forever You'll stay in my heart I just take time And all through my coffee break time I say a little bit for you Forever, forever You stay in my heart And I will love 
All right. Good morning this morning, everybody. Just have about 10 more minutes left. I wanted to get out of here before uh, I, I got kicked off so often last week on Facebook that I've uh, started to get the uh, get the game right a little bit. As long as I as long as I get in like halfway through that song, they don't, they don't pop me out. Sometimes they will. But for the most part, if I get in, if I let the song play all throughout, they'll they'll it's grab me off of there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I as a listener, it's not. We know it's not your fault, but it's um, when we get kicked off and then we have to get back on. Oh, again. I know. Only on the fa- on the Facebook. But. Yeah, it's it's a it's a real pain. But you know, I you know here here's the deal. Part of it is I understand that artists deserve to be compensated for their work. Right. And so I'm not trying to get anything for free, but I'm using a platform that already pays them. Right. They already, they, the, already, the Facebook already pays Dion Warwick right. or whatever company, whatever record company, they already pay them for that. And so, I, frankly, you know, I'm using their platform and so I'm, I'm obviously not paying them for their platform, but I'm using their platform and they've already paid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It sounds like a Facebook problem to me. Yeah. You want to hear a reporter? This guy was this guy was addicted. And by the way, what do you think of Christy Nichols? I like her. I like what she has to say. Yeah, I yeah. do too. She's um she's very nice and very and, nice. and seems to have the thing the the whole uh I think I think she has the uh, a good grasp of our constitution and Absolutely. religious liberty and beyond. So I think she's a very very nice person, and uh, I was glad to have her in. And thank you, Alicia, my sister in law, for mm-hmm. making that happen too, because she was in contact with them and 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 made just kind of reached out. She reached out on our fan page to get on. So I appreciate uh, uh, appreciate her a lot. Uh, for 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 coming in, I always like it when they come in anyway. But I told these guys too. I told Cortland the same thing. I said, you know, you can always call in. You you don't have to make a big production out of it. I could talk to you for ten minutes, and because as we as we get down to countdown time, if you want to chime in ten minutes, whatever, uh, just make sure that you uh, let your favorite candidate know that uh, that they're welcome to just give me their number or whatever. I'll, I have their number. If they have some issue, text me and say, hey, I want to talk about this. Well, we might have a few tomorrow when we have the Supreme Court nominee named. And I've been kind of like trying to bird dog drudge and that kind of thing to see whether or not it's going to pop over. It's going yeah. to be probably, by the time we get off it's air, it'll, it'll probably happen like right after we get off of air. So I get breaking news constantly and it's... Yeah. So I, we'll I, have I missed Peter? Has he been on? Pfeiffer? Yeah. Has uh, he been in here? Yo, yeah. I missed it. Yeah. How can you miss Peter Pfeiffer? I don't know. He's everywhere. <laughs> I like Peter. Yeah, Hi, Peter. he's a good guy. He, I'm going to be with him on Wednesday at the Cool Dells at, right. on, uh, on, uh, in Manchester, and he's going to have an event there. As I told everybody, you know, I'm, I'll come to your place, whatever you want to – wherever you want me, I'll be there. I was at uh, – I stopped by Cortland Sykes' barbecue on uh, – Saturday, which was very nice, saw some really nice people out there. Margaret Sharp was out there. Hi, Margaret, and a ton of other people too. And so that was a fun time. And Cortland's, uh, I told him, same thing I told Christy, same thing I tell Peter, same thing I tell Tony, same thing I tell Austin. It's like uh, this idea somehow that there are too many of you and that you're going to devour each other and Holly's going to walk away from it. Maybe, but Missourians 
have proven themselves to be very independent, very smart, and they they don't have things shoved down their throats and it's not a foregone conclusion that everybody else is going to uh, eat each other and then Hawley walks away from it. There's A person could easily win this race with 18, 19 percent of the mm-hmm. vote uh, and, and, and maybe even less depending, although I think Christie's right. There are 11, but really there are about right. five that right. we know of. Uh, Peter Pfeiffer's event, by the way, cooldell.com is where you can do it. It's 7 to 9 on Wednesday, and so I'm going to be popping out there, and I'm going to uh, possibly try to – well, it doesn't make any difference now because the swim meets are all over the last ones tonight. Oh. But maybe if you have them – maybe uh, if it would have been earlier, I would have dropped something in the water. To keep the cool Dell people from performing at the rate that they do, because that that swim club is pretty good. Are they good? Oh, yeah, they're pretty good. Drop something in the water. Yeah, like <laughs> like poison, your computer. Poison the kids. <laughs> when you're tra- keep them from uh, when you're uh, uh, I'll, electrocuting I'll, uh, yourself. Pop a bunch. I'll, I'll drop a bunch of muscle relaxants into the <laughs> <laughs> water there. But nonetheless, it's a great, it's a really good, uh, good team there, and uh, we're the Missouri Athletic Club team. But the Cool Dell, they, they 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 do a pretty, pretty good job. You want to see this guy? This is a guy who's covering a fire in Alpine, California. Okay, so there's a dozen structures out there, and I've I've been, I've had situations before where I'm out there with a with a photographer or whatever else. But this guy, um. <laughs> Uh, this guy, this reporter, wanted to desperately wanted this his photographer to zoom in on a burned bunny. Okay. And, uh, electricity, you know, with uh, the the fatal electrocution, um, there's actually a burnt bunny. On- <laughs> Sorry. No, wait a minute. I'm trying to get this thing to go. Now I can't. Now I, for some reason my internet is is down. But the guy's like. There's actually a burnt bunny up there on if you can just zoom into the burnt bunny. wires and uh, electricity, you know, with uh, the, the fatal electrocution. Um, there's actually a burnt bunny on the ground over there. Um, it's it's uh, still alive, of course. Um, but if, if, you, if Jeff can maybe get a shot of that, there's a, a half appears to be burnt bunny. Anyway, but the, uh, the-, the... The photographer's like, I'm not zooming in on the burnt bunny, Okay. So so he's pointing at it and trying to get the photographer to zoom in on a half burnt bunny. And the photographer's like, I'm not zooming in. Well, I don't know what he's saying, but as evidenced by the fact that there is no zoom in to the burnt bunny, the, the, the photographer's like, going, I'm not going to zoom in on the burnt bunny, you sick F. I'm not doing it. Plus, he's wearing a mask, too. <laughs> Plus, is there anything other than, it, it, you know, is there any non-fatal electrocution? I'm just wondering. Is there such a thing? And uh, electricity, you know, with uh, the the fatal electrocution. I mean, I, is it, it, I mean, when you're electrocuted, you're dead. Yeah, you can get a shock, right? Or you're electrocuted. Yeah, I don't think you survive that. Yeah, you do, That's what it is. Right. It's not. It's not like a. It's not like you're uh, a fatal drowning. You either drown, drown, or you, or you don't. don't. Mm-hmm. It's kind of right there, right? right. It's yeah. kind of like it's kind of like when reporters use the term "partially destroyed." Like mm-hmm. there's the, the, the either it's destroyed, destroyed or it's not destroyed, but there's no such thing as being partially, partially destroyed, mm-hmm. right? Right. Correct. 
And okay, now that we resolve that, have we finally resolved where you get since you're little Miss Internet over there? Oh, I'm just why I'm I'm so um, sick for these Thai boys, the the team. I thought they're okay. Well, eight of them are, but they had to call off the rescue for the night. They're done for tonight. There are still four remaining in the coach. Right. But I mean, it's going. That's good. Yeah. But I just the whole thing just makes me ugh. Why? But I thought that I thought they just rescued eight of them, though. They did. Oh, they okay. did. I just the whole situation though makes me, you know, anxious. Right. But if you said that like five days ago, I would see that. But now right. that eight no, of them are out and yes. four are going to come out tomorrow, yes. why are you so anxious well, now? Well, I hope the four come out tomorrow. I, I hope it continues to go well. The the Navy SEALs refer to it as climbing Everest. You yeah. Know, like, this is a very difficult operation. Right. So I just I'm praying that it continues to to go well. Well, That's I am all. too. I just yes. was wondering what. what no, I just, it just seemed like that. It was, notified me that an, an eighth person had been. That's why I looked. Had at it. been what rescued? rescued? Oh, yes. good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That should be a cause for celebration. <laughs> it is. It is consternation. No, no. I just I. You, know. you okay? Yeah. Over there, they're, I'm good. They're going to be fine. Oh, they are. I know. Yeah, they're going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not that worried about it. I just was looking at the article. Yeah. Okay. It popped up. Uh, can you uh, find out where we can get the big scissors for the ribbon cutting? Because I'm going to get said I wanna... Amazon. Well, I know, but I want you to look it up because I don't believe Steve Church. So I look it up. I, I said because last week have, on your post, it's the same place where you buy the tiny hands. <laughs> right. You've seen those? You've seen you those? mean the clothes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> where you put them in your sleeve. Or the foam, uh, <laughs> the foam one finger things. Oh, yeah. Just those. say uh, uh, ribbon cutting scissors for sale. Because you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have a ribbon cutting here when, ribbon- we fin- when we finish the studio here, the new studio. I'm going to have a ribbon cutting. But it's only going to be – I'm only going to invite Asians. It's not going to be white people, black people. I'm just having Asians cutting the ribbons here. Okay. So the, as soon as I put ribbon cutting in, uh, an actual company came up, a company that specializes in ceremonial ribbon cutting scissors. Now, let me ask you this, though. Do you think the city of St. Louis – first of all, my other question is do I have uh, – did the black ribbon cutters just simply borrow the white ribbon cutter's scissors – or did they have their own separate scissors? That's a uh, I don't, who do we ask that? Who do we ask? I don't know. And did and and where where do they keep these big scissors? Uh, do they keep them someplace, or do they borrow them, or are they or are they in a shed someplace, or what? Steve did not lie. Steve Church is well informed. Yeah, Amazon. Okay. Yep. The big scissors. How much are they? You found them, Matt? Could we get 50, those? 30. Oh. 50 bucks for a big pair of scissors for ribbon cuttings? Um, yeah. Well, we're, you know what we're going to do? We're going to, instead of cutting it with the scissors, we're going to shoot the ribbon before we, uh, before we, we're going to, no, no, you know what we're going to do? We're going to, uh, instead of uh, cutting it with scissors, we're going to light it on fire. There you go. It's going to be a ribbon, uh, ribbon, oh, yeah. Uh, JB and Matt are like, no, I wouldn't. Don't start a fire here at the, the gaslight. Not here. We'll just call it gaslight. Come on, people. <laughs> Get with the program. No, but uh, I, well, let's see. I'm going to figure out some other way. Pour gasoline, dear. <laughs> yeah. Gasoline. All over it. I'm gonna sh- no, it. Maybe, so, okay. So maybe I can just shoot the ribbon. That'll be easy. All right. Well, listen, thanks for coming in, Gia. Thank you for having me. And um, I like being here too when you have guests. I I I'm, I love hearing them and learning more about 
as this primary is coming up, I, I like hearing all these folks. Good people. Yeah, I'm going to have a ribbon cutting. No whites or blacks allowed. I'm going to get different kinds of people from varying different kinds of nationalities, but I will forbid blacks or whites from being part of Can my Italians ribbon cutting. Come? No. No Italian. No. Okay. I gotta, I'm going to try to figure out what nationality I'll have cutting the ribbon for the new studio. But no whites or blacks will be allowed here. I'm not even going to be here. <laughs> All right, Gia Valenti. Right, Don't forget Jamie. to check out learnwithmoxie.com. Learn with Moxie. School year's coming. Starting up here soon. Yeah, right. Good time. You need to get those uh, in your in those schools. Yeah. Right now it's in Lindbergh, right? Yeah. Keep it going. Keep it going. If you are a well, they could be anywhere, really. Yeah, it's I, it's done digitally. I, I can go anywhere in the, in the world with it. Nice. LearnwithMoxie.com. Gia Valeni, thanks so much. Thanks, and Jamie. thank you, DiscoveryDesignInc.com for the lovely Radio Free Almond Studio. RadioFreeAlmond.com is the website. Still have the gear available. We're going to actually get the different colored tanks thanks to Gia's suggestion. I saw. Julie added a military and a white marble. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. So they they have the camo. Well, no. The military color, which is great. Perfect. And then white, too, right? Mm -hmm. Perfect. Great idea, by the way. I love the my only tank. demand was that we had the everything had to be tri blend, so no cotton, just right. tri blend, and the and it's really nice. It is material. Awesome. So Bella, thanks for the canvas is a great line anyway, but then that 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 tank is so comfortable. I love it. Nice. People compliment it all the time. I know you look great in it too. I love your pictures when you that you put up on Facebook with it, and and now you're gonna have a white one. Are you gonna do the? Oh yeah, I'm getting them. I'm getting all. <laughs> I'm getting the full wardrobe. I love it. All right. Take care, everybody. RadioFreeAlmond.com. Don't forget, SantinosCigars.com. Check it out. Mike and Shannon have your bottle, and they have your cigars, too. And don't forget, check out Mattress King on Facebook. They're one of our brand-new sponsors as well. And thank you again to Discovery Design. DiscoveryDesignInc.com. Take care, everybody. Don't